everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of Genre Equality Podcast. I'm Hitzer. I'm Hadi. I'm Isa. Uh, this is our 25th episode, but not just that, it's also our second anniversary. Yeah. Uh, because if you remember our first ever episode, January 1st mm. of uh, 2018. 18, yeah. uh, and by the time you're hearing this, it will be a brand new year, 2020, mm. of course. New decade. Uh, a new, a whole new decade, oh my gosh. And you hope. Oh, um, I mean, we're feeling old. Uh, we are children of pretty much the 20th century. Yeah. And I still keep thinking that we are closer to 2000. Then, we <laughs> but but we're not like we're, we're moving not. further and further away. Yeah. Uh, but in in the case of the last month of the decade, yeah. Uh, probably one of the biggest months of genre content, like I think we've ever covered. Um, yes, I, I, m- sure. Most holiday season December Kind of stuff right? I mean like last year You had Spider-Verse And all of that oh, yeah. you know? So there's, there's always A lot of stuff to cover mm-hmm. uh, None more so than this month Because I had a hell of a time Trying to put together This rundown Yeah. Uh, trying to squeeze everything together So because of that right yeah. We won't be doing pull list uh, mm-hmm. For yeah. this particular month It's just a one month skip Don't worry uh, We'll still be recommending You know books and comics And mm-hmm. stuff uh, Next year onwards I just started reading One of your pull list stuff actually uh, What is it? Uh, the children of uh, virtue and vengeance. Uh, children of blood. blood I'm sorry, blood and blood the and second bone. book is virtue and vengeance. Yeah, 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 blood yeah. and um, blood and bone. Yeah, blood yeah. and bone. So oh, you you completed the yeah, two. Yeah, completed the two. Cool, yeah. but cool. those two lah. So you've yes. done both. No, no, I'm st- I just started. Okay. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay, maybe you can like follow up when you finish uh. Okay, yeah, because yeah. I just finished that like a month ago. Okay, yeah. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll be done soon enough. Yeah. Oh, I'll be done by next next month lah. That's okay. awesome. Uh, and and plus like we are we'll be covering um. The two Star Wars. <laughs> there's uh, a lot of Star Wars. Huh? There's a lot of Star Wars. Uh, Mandalorian, uh, of course, uh, mm-hmm. the most hype show on TV. I think uh, in terms of like just viewing, mm-hmm. like yeah. you know the uh, communal water cooler show that we haven't had since Game of Thrones. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, Baby yeah, yeah. Yoda memes and all of that. You know, mm-hmm. um, of course, the rise of Skywalker very divisive, just like the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Expanse has returned. Uh, Rick and Morty has returned. Uh, the Witcher just debuted. Mm-hmm. His Dark Materials debuted. Mm-hmm. But given all of that, right? It it's says something that the thing that we most want to talk about is Damon Lindelof's Watchmen sequel oh, series damn, on absolutely. HBO. Yeah. Uh, it says a lot that, you know, with all those big properties coming out, like my brain is still on Watchmen, Watchmen and, and how genius it is, it is. And, and all that. Lah. So um, I think maybe we'll begin but a, a large chunk of the podcast will be dedicated to Watchmen just because there's so much to break down. Yeah. Uh, wow. and, and we'll begin with Watchmen before we, can. we, before we, we dive into the, the rest. Because at, at the very least, we can all agree on Watchmen, whereas yes. the yeah, other yeah, yeah. topics we might have like. We are all very divisive on yeah. the other topics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, it is January 1st, 2020. I am uploading the 25th episode of General Equality. It is March 2009. I am watching Zack Snyder's film adaptation of Watchmen. <laughs> I am disappointed. <laughs> Uh, it is September 19, 2017 HBO has just announced The Watchmen adaptation And I am dubious uh, yeah. It is yeah. October 20, 2019 oh, I'm watching no. the premiere episode Of Watchmen I'm in awe He's doing a Dr. Manhattan It is December 8, 2019 I'm watching the 8th episode A God Walks Into a Bar Oh my god And I come up with the idea For this intro <laughs> <laughs> uh, It is December 24, 2019 And we are recording a review for Damon Lindelof's Watchmen series on genre equality. So, yeah. um, what did you guys think about um, a, a property that a lot of people say should not have been adapted in the first place, either into a movie or a series, let alone have a sequel? Yeah. Uh, as we all know, DC themselves have their own sort of sequel called Doomsday Clock, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which weirdly enough ended on the same uh, week yep. as uh, the Watchmen series. Uh, mm. And 
the mm. huge coffin quality really like, didn't do any favors to Doomsday Clock lah. Uh, but like let's sure. not talk about Doomsday Clock. Okay, I have never read Doomsday Clock, so I wouldn't. So know. Doomsday Clock is yeah. is a multi. Uh, it's the twelfth issue crossover yeah. where Doctor Manhattan comes to the main DC universe. Oh, okay. And then plays around with the the timeline to see you know what what's happening because in his timeline. Uh, it's fixed, right? Yeah. He's omniscient, but not umpo- um, no, um, omnipotent. Omnipotent, right? Yeah. So he realizes that in the DC universe, the timeline is malleable. Mm-hmm. So we find out that retconning, that, oh, he's actually the reason behind Flashpoint, etc., etc. He's just playing around, <sighs> that kind of thing. So it's a bit lame, lah. Yeah, it quite doesn't, doesn't really have much to say. Although his face off with Batman was pretty cool. Yes, the face of Batman, uh, <laughs> a, a climactic oh. uh, sh- showdown against the Superman, you know, yeah. and, oh. and all that. So I mean, a lot of fan fake. Uh, pop moments, <laughs> you know, that's like great, the, yeah. okay. but like as a story, it doesn't quite work, okay. and and also because this twelve issue series debuted three and a half years ago, and th- the series of delays has just stunted its momentum, lah. Okay. Unlike Watchmen, which I think, uh, for better or for worse, a lot of people have agreed or disagreed, uh, but you know, people mostly I think uh, the sophisticated viewer whoa, whoa, lo- love whoa. love this. <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, it, it's it's hard not to. It's like, quite universally liked, lah. It's it's hard not to see like those YouTube videos about you know oh Walkman etc and and not think like oh you are racist that's why you don't like this, you know it's a bit it, I I want to like give more nuance to debate but like when I see like that title I'm like oh I I already know why you don't like this so yeah, I'm, not, not, I'm not clicking lah <laughs> yeah okay but anyways uh if you do not know mm. uh Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons's Watchmen mm. uh is universally considered probably one of the greatest comic. Or graphic novels mm-hmm. of all time, yep. uh, if not the greatest uh, graphic novel of all time. I had a unique thing of what uh, reading the comics after watching the movie. Mm. I didn't. I didn't uh, watch. I didn't read the comics, you know, before yeah. the movie. So Interesting. That's all. So how I actually enjoyed the movie quite a bit, lah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But then when I read the comics, then I realized, ah, okay, then I understand yeah. why people were so upset, lah. Right. Or not as uh, entertained as. So you've you've read the comics much closer to watching the series. Yes. Okay. Ah. Yeah. Okay. because uh, I haven't read it in fifteen, eighteen years. I think about, the, about I read that. it last was twenty twelve. That was the last time I read it. Okay. Secondary school was the last time I read it, yeah, But I mean, it, it's, it's implanted in my head because it's such a good series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the movie, for example, it struck me as like um. A person who loved the visual yeah, 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 of Watchmen, yeah. and yeah. Damon Lindelof struck me as the person who liked the words of Watchmen. Yeah. Like one person looked at the pictures, and one person read, actually read it. Yeah. You know, and that was the difference of the movie and the show, lah. Yeah, uh, yeah. The 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 series, the original series, was among other things a, a murder mystery, an alt history commenting on a particular era of Cold War, pre-apocalyptic paranoia, extremely R-rated superhero story, and yeah, a deconstruction of superhero comic books. Yep. Yep. Across the twelve issues, they dismantled, examined, and garishly reassembled every structural and thematic device the medium had been using all the way from the birth of Superman and Batman. Right? And yeah. What kind of person? What kind of person? The book asks would put on colorful tights and a mask to go beat up people in public. How different would the world be if the people, if people who got like powers, actually existed? Mm. Uh, Watchmen interrogated everything down to. The way individual panels were traditionally laid out, uh, mm. it was a comic book for adults, not just because of the sex and language and excessive graphic violence like <laughs> your Frank Miller stuff and all that, but because of its themes and the way it questioned the very nature and purpose of stories like this. Like. Yep. And I think in the same, in, in the way that Zack Snyder's copy paste film adaptation underwhelmed, uh, I was very heartened that it landed on De- uh, Damon Lindelof's lap. Uh, mm. For this series, because you know he is a divisive creator of Lost and yeah. the Leftovers, <laughs> but I think that he had 
he is more thoughtful than Zack Snyder is lah. So I had hope lah. And, and given Marshall. his career progression has gotten better from the BB showrunner, he was at loss, mm-hmm. and then you saw his growth in leftovers, leftovers, and then now you know. And, and rather than simply retell the comic story at greater length, Lindelof has taken an enormous swing. Uh, he's sidestepped the adaptation altogether and created a sequel set in the same universe mm-hmm. as the comic. It is faithful to the events of the comic story, mm-hmm. but features only a few characters from it. Mm-hmm. The setting, present day Tulsa, Oklahoma, is completely different from New York City. Yep. So is the show's central theme of white supremacy, mm-hmm. uh, where Snyder's focus on the letter of the law with Watchmen caused him to kind of miss the spirit of the thing. Yeah. Uh, Lindelof's disruptive approach comes far closer than you might expect at first given how many departures he's taken. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, uh, overall, before we get into spoilers, you know, just give you general thoughts. Like, what, what do you uh, like or dislike about the Watchmen uh, sequel series on HBO? Well, I felt that uh, this was one of the best written series in a while. Or this, I mean, perhaps one of the best shows we had in the, this decade, mm. I felt. Um, great, great casting choices all around. Uh, Regina King, who I loved from back in the day, you know, yeah. from like uh, Southland and other. Oh, she goes back all the way to like Boys in the Hood. Right? Yeah, you know, yeah. but because I, yeah, yeah but the most recent thing I can remember was Southland when she was a cop, lah. <laughs> yeah, and she won an Emmy. For yeah, she, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and um, what is his name? The husband? What? Uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen the Abdul second. Mateen you might II. remember him from Striking Vipers on Black Mirror yes. or Aquaman, Black Manta. Or a uh, very yeah exactly, so uh, he's the uh, black mental right yeah. yeah 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 he's great too, mm-hmm. um, and I loved how, and I'm going to use this quite a bit today, um I loved how lived in, the Watchmen universe feels mm, you know yes. in terms of the world okay. building, in terms of everything that uh, like the little uh, habits that people have because of. You know certain things that happen, uh, you know, like the spoiler, I guess, squid rain no, and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, in yeah. the first episode. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing, lah. Mm-hmm. Um, makes people, you know, react differently, or you know, yeah, mm. uh, perfectly. Uh, and all the characters that are successors of, um, of the bygone eras. Mm-hmm. So you know, all your cops with the mask and the, the seven cavalry and mm-hmm. all this, all these additions, give a lot of this. Um, Weightiness that I enjoyed like, Throughout this entire series like. mm-hmm. But I just loved How well written this is like. mm-hmm. And this It kept me Glued Throughout uh, All the episodes mm-hmm. Which I yeah, Which I thought would be bored After episode 2 or 3 mm-hmm. But yeah When like episode 6 hit When episode 7 hit And it just mm-hmm. It just got crazier <laughs> Yeah <laughs> right? yeah. It just got crazier And at the end The payoff was so good Okay I loved it like. Yeah. Uh, what about you Aisa? Um, I'm just gonna echo Hardy here, uh, especially about just the sheer attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. right. And how everything is so cohesive and comprehensive in the way that it's shot, in the way that the acting plays out, in the way that the script plays out. I mean, it's entirely inventive in in a way that I feel a lot of other series that we've watched over the last decade, uh, mm. since genre quality has been around, um, has tried to but failed. Right, when we think of like Legion and all of that, mm. uh, or American Gods, for example, right? Mm. Um, and it, I mean, Linnanov has done an amazing job, I think, all around uh, with the things that really caught me. I love the way that the pacing never feels dry, yeah. right, mm. uh, at any given point in time. And it's very hard to, I think, in this day and age, 
like it's the golden age of TV, right? But still, we are bogged down by you know there'll always be a flop episode. There'll always be mm. you know moments of time where we are just like ah okay. But I think the the medium of it itself was put to full use based upon like the subject matter that, that mm. um ah. Uh, uh, of the Watchmen itself, right? Yeah. And that worked. How well it works together is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah, I don't really have anything to complain about. You know, to yeah. me, like this is clearly. I mean, for us, what what's our highest rated? Rated ten. 10. I mean, stuff like Bojack, Bojack Horseman is the most obvious, like, yeah. or Undone. Mo- Undone. More recently. Oh, Undone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which was also one season wonder. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, like for something like this to come at the end of this decade. And just kind of blow everything else out of the water is is really saying something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people were saying that uh, the Watchmen series was too political, which was a, a, a bizarre complaint. Yeah, it's almost as if they didn't read Watchmen and how political what do you it was. It to be? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think like Lindelof kind of successfully takes the comics' larger sociological questions and extrapolates them out into the world that we live now. La. It yep. isn't the eighties anymore; it's twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. In Reagan's America, for instance, the thing that seemed on the verge of destroying us was nuclear war, mm-hmm. dying under a mushroom cloud. And in Donald Trump's America, the existential threat is white nationalist extremism, right? Yep. Yep. And, and beyond that, the more casual but pervasive forms of racism, which mm. Lindelof turns into, you know, the Seventh Cavalry, a KKK style movement. Uh, whose members wear masks inspired by Rorschach mm. uh, a bit subverting and perverting his manifesto that was leaked at the end of the comic book yeah. mm. uh, for their own means uh, the Calvary's terrorist actions have uh, you know forced the police officers to assume costume identities right yeah. like Regina King's Sister Knight or Angela Eber, uh patrols the street in a, what I can only call a fetish nun outfit right <laughs> More or less, yeah. Yeah, and, and and cops dressing like superheroes is an inversion of the plot device from the comics where masked vigilantes were legally banned in the 70s yeah. from Senator Keane's death, the Keane yeah. Act. Uh, but it also feels applicable to our world where movements like Black Lives Matter can create the impression, particularly in minority communities, that the police are already untouchable vigilantes, you know. Mm-hmm. That, uh, and it's asking questions about accountability. Yeah. Where does it start? Where does it end? Uh, that Angela herself is black, is a complication the series examines early and often with Lindelof again taking advantage of King's great acting and before I dive into like the big themes and and, and all that right I just want to say the obvious things first before I forget right Mm -hmm. Uh, like Regina King Gene Smart Tim Blake Nelson (laughs) Don Johnson Hong Chow Yaya Abdul Mateen the second the fucking entire cast is tremendous tremendous Obvious doesn't, doesn't need to be said But I, I will forget Once I dive into Everything else like, Just gotta say like, mm-hmm. The music by Trent Reznor And Atticus oh, Ross Insane it's Outstanding insane. Yeah. And not just their score But the music supervision In terms of sp- uh, Song selection And the mm-hmm. ma- many layers Of themes expressed Within the song spits yeah. You know mm-hmm. from Doris Day's Tunnel of Love Or Claire de Lune On the Moon Or, or uh, Poor Judd is Dead From Oklahoma yeah. uh, oh, I oh. Or I Am the Warriors Right at the end By the Beatles yeah. uh, Oh my gosh Very good uh, Damon Lindelof clearly did the work mm-hmm. in terms of um, it's hard to say this. I, I <coughs> most recently I went for a Singapore Writers Festival mm. and the opening speech was done by Marlon James. Oh, okay. Uh, so you know, uh, famous black writer, and somebody asked him the question about appropriation: Do white writers have the right to tackle black stories? And he says that uh, appropriation. We only call it appropriation when the writer or showrunner or 
creative director or whatever, right, doesn't do the work in understanding. Mm. So we only call it out when like uh, there is whitewashing or when like Emma Stone is playing like a Polynesian person, you know, things like no, that. No, no, half Asian. Half Asian person, right? Yeah. yeah so I mean, silly things like that, lah. Mm. But he points out that like, has anyone ever accused David Simon of appropriation and on the wire? Telling a black story no, Nobody does yeah. If you do the work Nobody's gonna call you out on it because If you do the understanding part Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think Damon Lindelof Did, did the work la. La. Yeah. Um, I think the level of world building And exposition on this show Introducing us to strange And familiar alternate reality yeah. concepts uh, Much in the same way That Alan Moore dunked us Into Watchmen Without really giving us uh, Like you know Any. Anything to, yeah. to build on uh, it's, it's quite genius Because a lot of, a lot of it Is inferential It's deductive yes, you, can, you can see it Through the visuals Like for example Vietnam is a state In the US right yeah. and, and many more Judging from the many stars On the, yeah, yeah. On the flag and, and Robert Redford Has been leading An ultra-liberal Government movement For the for last 30 years Post-Nixon Which of course Leads to reparations For victims of hate crimes mm-hmm. uh, Now known as Redfordations Watergate didn't happen Watergate didn't happen It didn't have to It didn't have to Yeah, yeah. Which leads to a Radicalization of of the of the right wing and white supremacists, in much the same way that they were radicalized after just eight years of Obama. So can you imagine yeah. how much more radicalized they will be after thirty years? You mm-hmm. know, is the clap uh, back yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, we learn why police can wear masks and what spurned that law into effect and why vigilantes are not outlawed, which is such a neat twist on you know the Watchmen book. Yeah, we learn why racists wear the Rorschach mask because their ideology their ideology misinterprets Rorschach's manifesto. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see a neat subversion of America's racism story as police brutality is used by faceless police to harass a new minority, um, impoverished white people. Yeah. Uh, are some of them in Nixonville, for example, in the I think second or third episode where the police go there, red scare, the, yeah, yeah and, and all of that, you know, and they they try to round them up. The way the police police handles them is only bound to radicalize them even more, even though the police are sort of justified for doing it. Uh, it's. Interesting because you know I see things like that in the Shield or the Wire where white cops go to like black ghettos and they round up everyone, whether regardless of whether they really are gangsters or they are not. Like, yeah. you know, it's kind of what they are doing now also. Um, I mean, it's a retaliation kind of thing, lah. Correct. The yeah. police suffered a loss mm. before they respond in kind, lah. The very first scene. I mean, I'm not talking about Tulsa, which was a great opening scene, by the way. I'm, I'm also talking about the first scene in in modern day, lah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the cop in the yellow mask trying mm. to draw his gun. You need uh, you, you need permission from a uh, higher authority, your your superior, whether I can your supervisor, the supervisor, whether yeah. I can draw this guy or not. Uh, a guy in a panda mask, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you know, like as that scene was playing, I was like, wow, that's such a great idea. I wish it would be implemented like immediately. The the liberal side of me is like, yeah, this is fantastic. And then I instantly see why something like that has an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, like he gets shot up, right? I mean, this is just the first scene. It's not really a spoiler. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and little things like you see the way that technology has not developed in the same way in this world yeah. because of the giant squid attack. <laughs> uh, it's decades behind. There's no internet. They're still using pages and so on. Uh, and then like the way they introduce mystery is very intriguing. You know, from like the the bizarre clone things growing in a lake. You don't know what the <laughs> fuck that is. But you find out later. Yeah, two yeah. small clues like tomatoes growing mm-hmm. on trees, you know, yeah. and uh, we learn of Ozymandias' predicament, which is such a prevailing mystery, but it makes total sense in the end. Yeah, know? yeah. Uh, and, and we all learn this through deduction, you know, visual clues like posters or newspaper headlines like oh, Ozymandias declared dead, mm. lessons in real history like the burning of Black Wall Street or, or German propaganda leaflets, you know, being dropped uh, on US soldiers in World War One. 
uh, conversations ancillary materials the show even a show which parodies uh, Zack Snyder to be honest <laughs> uh, much in the same way that Alan Moore's comic within a comic the Black Freighter deconstructed comic book storytelling so I mean what do you guys think about sort of uh, the many layers of the show that Damon Lindelof has introduced and, and what struck out to you the most wow like whether in terms There's of so like many. whether in terms of like film filmmaking or or whether it's in terms of writing or acting something like one one the something that stood out to you besides I mean, the obvious lah yeah, yeah yeah I mean that's like, we can talk about Doctor Manhattan and all that later lah mm-hmm. spoiler alert spoiler alert yeah I guess we're the spoiler but he's in the show lah you saw yeah, him yeah. in the in the trailer Doctor Manhattan but god damn episode six I think was one of the best episodes yes mm. yes it it introduced uh, Hooded when she Justice took the the nostalgia pills yep. at one go it's the backstory for Hooded Justice like, yeah. uh, a surprising reveal for his real identity he's not a strong man he's not, he's not a strong man he's a black guy uh, spoilers la. spoilers la. yeah la, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that was a terrible spoiler by the way yeah. before we even oh ended. I thought we were spoiler we are spoiler territory now no, no. Oh no, sorry, black guy. Well, oh. I guess we are in spoilers already now. Like, yeah, like we just we've, busted it open. We've we've crossed the the line in the sand. Mm-hmm. But that episode like, itself, like, mm-hmm. you know, where you have your flashbacks to, um, to the past that you know Angela had to to go through mm. to understand um, her grandfather, like, yeah, in a more complete way, and also give us the idea of why the hell did uh, her grandfather do all those things, like. Mm. Yeah. Um it gave us a glimpse at the time of when the Minutemen were were established. Um the complexities of the relationship between like Captain Metropolis and the Hooded Justice, uh the introduction of Cyclops. Uh you had all this James Marsden, right? James <laughs> Marsden. <laughs> no, uh, different Cyclops. And it, it, the Cyclops was actually a real thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um okay, what I can't shake is the timeliness of this series. Timeliness, like, yeah. The timeliness of it. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can't put it to you. Do you think that this series would have worked like four years ago? I don't think it would have been as great. It it might because I mean it might have been a case of like you know when Battlestar Galactica came out yeah. like yeah. three or four years after nine eleven mm-hmm. as a nine eleven allegory. Yeah. Mm. If it came out four years ago in the midst of Black Lives Matter and when you know um those people being gunned down yeah. or and all that, it might have hit too close to home and it might be right like, uh, a huge you know like this is too there soon. wasn't there wasn't enough time for it to breathe. Yeah, okay, like, okay, like, yeah. and, and you know like the same way BSG did it four years later. It's like okay, now yeah. we have some perspective on the issue. Mm, yeah, 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 but. It, really did feel like the timeliness of it like I mean it could have been as much as it's an alternate history mm-hmm. show right like it felt like yeah, yeah I mean, it could very well be I mean we're sitting here in Singapore right yeah. all you know like you know, it, it really is happening somewhere in the world it felt like that so much of the time it felt so believable so much of the time and that's something that I just can't shake like every episode when I'm done with that I'm just like oh my god like Mm-hmm. This, this alternate is, reality is not that far from ours. It is not that far from ours yeah. at all, and it would only have taken like really, really small things to 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 have those things be manifested in our yeah, like, uh, time. Only we didn't have Doctor Manhattan. Uh. Yeah, and enough. like a giant squid dropping on Manhattan, la. But yeah. I mean, other than those outlandish sci-fi concepts, it feels like things that could happen, mm-hmm. yeah. and it's extrapolated very carefully and thoughtfully. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like you know, like I think Damon Lindelof gave several interviews where even in the writers' room, like they didn't spend much time writing. Like for example, in the first three weeks, he was saying that they were trying to figure out the policy of reparations and how that could actually be implemented. So they were actually like trying to make they're like policy makers. Yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. yeah la. And then like after the first month, he's like, okay, guys, we might want to move on to the story 
uh, yeah, but it's just great filmmaking visually as well. You yes, know? oh, it's, absolutely. But it's not just beautiful, but every frame is packed with so much meaning and metaphor and symbolism. Yeah. Just like how Gibbons's panels are jam packed with meaning and metaphor. Like true. I mean, in the very first episode in the dinner table scene where Don Johnson's Judd mm, uh, is yes. at Regina King's uh, house, right? You know, and they were mm. singing Oklahoma and all that. Uh, and then the camera pans up to the chandelier, yeah. uh, and then it looks at the dinner table is uh, a, a clock. Mm-hmm. And of, of of course, the clock motif is important, like in Watchmen, mm-hmm. as is the new eight motif which Damon Lindelof invented for the show. Mm-hmm. But at, at that clock motif, for example, uh, Don Johnson was sitting at the eleven fifty five position, you know, mm-hmm. five minutes five to midnight, minutes you know, the, yeah. uh, clearly indicating he's gonna die five minutes later, which I thought was just very very <laughs> good. You know, it's one small example. Is them good foreshadowing? Yeah, yeah, and, and the, the black and white film that opens the show um, depicting a black U.S. marshal named uh, Bass Reeves mm-hmm. apprehending a corrupt white sheriff. You know, Bass Reeves is a real historical figure, figure mind yeah. you, uh, a real black lawman who had to wear a mask to protect his identity because he was black, right? Mm-hmm. Like with the justice. This plays nicely into what we learn about, you know, Will Reeves uh, yeah. in the show's, as you mentioned, staggering sixth episode. Uh, Watchmen is dense without being overbearing. Yes. Uh, and and Angela Eba, um, who was inspired to become Sister Night by a black exploitation film called Sister Night, yep. uh, is interesting because the name Eba is taken from a black exploitation film called Eba, the first black Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it's just a nice inversion of like real world things, lah. Yeah. Uh, Will Reeves' backstory in a parallel to the Superman mythos, mm. uh, from being shipped off by his parents from a dying world <laughs> to become the first costume hero. Uh, in episode 6 We learn about his origin story mm-hmm. uh, We also learn about The Cyclops Mesmerism plot mm-hmm. uh, Kind of mirrors Real life pop culture By how mass media Made by white people Has caused The black community To kind of believe The worst in themselves yeah. uh, To be afraid of their own people uh, Essentially um, And it assumes A certain level as I, I'm going to say this word again uh, Sophistication from the audience If you haven't read the book mm-hmm. yeah. And it, it and if, if you have, it also requires a certain amount of imagination. It asks a lot of you, and I can understand why people might be frustrated in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but I think the the rewards by the end are, are, are very rich. Like. Yes. I think Lindelof has a really good understanding of the comic. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, how Dr. Manhattan perceives time. Like, Jeff Johns in, 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 in uh, Doomsday Clock doesn't get how Dr. Manhattan perceives time. No. He is, he is omniscient, but not omnipotent. It is determinism, you know. Yeah. He cannot change the future because that is not the future, that is his past, you know. Mm. What, what has happened will happen is happening. Uh, and it's a masterclass of puzzle box storytelling where every piece is presented non-linearly and it's a thing that Lindelof <laughs> does in Leftovers well. and yeah. Lost over and over again. Uh, but it will eventually fit just not where you expect it to. Yep. Save Me Daughter, for example, uh, is functioning at like peak level here. Like this is this is lost without the fat. This is <laughs> leftovers without the depression. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you guys have any like other thoughts before you know we move on? Uh, well, it's highly recommended. Like you go and watch this show, lah. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the best shows that are out there right now. Yeah, I mean, I I still think that it takes a certain amount of smarts and work to appreciate the show. Yeah, it requires a bit of like mental. Then get smarter, work, but it rewards all of that. You yeah. Know? yeah, like that effort is rewarded, and I feel like sometimes a lot of the shows that we tend to love don't meet those. Yeah, mm. I mean, there's zero pandering here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every moment was. I mean, if you're a Watchmen fan, mm-hmm. every moment is well earned. Mm-hmm. Uh, every reveal has a great payoff at the end. You know, I don't think there was and any... And there's a point. In every yeah, and there's a point, point to yeah. every review, correct? You yeah. Know? Um, yeah, it's so beautifully well done. Like, Yeah. It's a near perfect... Well, it's a perfect season. I so. mean, I, I can 
at the same time, also, I think the fact that yeah, there's no like he, there's no like oh guarantee for the next season. Mm. Um, like I mean, he the the guy the showrunner just said I'm doing this one season. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So you could from episode one to episode nine, mm-hmm. there was a very good opening and a good closing. Like, everything mm-hmm. felt very succinctly done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Lindelof never said this, like, but I assume he picked nine episodes because of the nine panels on every page. You know, no, uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> things like that. Like, he's just like a huge fanboy. <laughs> you know? uh, but a fanboy who doesn't pander. He doesn't pander. Uh, we'll yeah. talk about pandering a lot later. Yeah. Um, I I know why people hate it. Though. I know why people hate it. It's about it's about race and people don't like that. Like it yeah. makes them uncomfortable, which it should. Like mm-hmm. it's it's so different from the comic that hardcore fans don't like it. Some hardcore mm. fans don't like it. But really, you should give it a chance because it's an amazingly original take on the Watchmen's world, not on Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, faithful yet radically original, uh, um, and very politically relevant, as you all have mentioned mm-hmm. already. You know, uh, I don't understand the show being too political as a complaint. Yeah. Okay. It is that is insane. Uh, Watchmen is such a political comic, you know, and, and just because it's about white supremacists and police accountability, and uh, I think it's prevailing theme more than all of that is actually intergenerational trauma uh, yeah. or, or legacy legacy yeah. is the thing you know from yeah. from true and adrian white to of course uh, will reeves and angela um and even right at the end when angela's adopted son looks at the uh bust of sister knight you know mm-hmm. and then angela has that like oh shit did i pass something on to him you know it's so all, he looked at it in all yeah correct yeah yeah uh, and extraordinary enough, I think the show got more creative as it went on. You know, yeah, like did. the first episode was very creative, and then yeah. it went to, for example, like <laughs> looking glasses backstory, Yo, that was all, a good all backstory. the way to like you know the black and white, almost Batman esque, yeah. uh, dream sequence, memory sequence of Angela's sixth episode, mm. and, and the seventh episode where it continued, to yeah. her past, yeah, yeah uh, her history in Vietnam, mm. and then you know of course the eighth episode tied everything together mm. wonderfully. Uh, it, it, it was brilliant I, I felt like The Looking Glass Experience during the Squid Attack Was something I've always Wanted to see From the comic you Yeah know? Like what were the people On the ground feeling Yeah what would What would the trauma be How can you reconcile that Within yourself well. It almost felt like a, a, a leftover episode Of The Leftovers You yeah. know <laughs> Which is a, this, a similar thing la, You know About uh, a, a trauma That you cannot comprehend You know And how do we move past this The answer is You can't really la. Yeah. And even little things Like how it How it uh, affects Pop culture In a post Squid world uh, that I never thought of, such as Steven Spielberg making Pale Horse instead of Schindler's List, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and those support groups and all of that. It's vivid and very imaginative ch- and challenging examination of you know morality, theology, trauma, uh, and this. Uh, to quote Senator Key, the squid pro quo, squid pro quo between choosing one evil over another. Yeah. Um, it's it's really good, guys. It's it's amazing. Um, if I think Damon Lindorf has succeeded in asking fascinating questions and nailing emotional beats, yes, which a lot of yes. some of his stuff like Prometheus uh, or the last season of Lost asks fascinating questions and present interesting narrative things, but doesn't nail emotional beats. And then you go over you go over to the leftovers, which is just emotional beats, you know, and, and all, all along it offers a lot of striking thematic resonance, uh, accidentally, politically, theologi- theologically, sociologically, racially. And then, in the end, as with all Demon Lane Law shows, it's like, surprise, bitches, it's a love story. Yeah. It's a time travel love story. It is a time and travel love it, story. Like, I mean, if you've seen Lost, you know, <laughs> it, it will remind you a lot of the Desmond Penny love story, which mm. he pretty much copied beat for beat here. Yeah. And just like kind of adapted it a bit uh, for a, a new context. And the Leftovers did something similar, Rob which I was spoiled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think like, you know, just watching Demon Lane Love grow, uh, has been great And if you are not watching the show Because Oh Lost ended 
badly or uh, the leftovers was too esoteric for you you know just give or you didn't like Prometheus just mm. give this one a shot yep. yeah definitely definitely yeah. Um, how would you guys like I think uh, <sighs> rate it in the end I want to give it a nine and a half now okay I'm gonna give it a ten mm. Mm, I'm giving it a, a ten as well you know just because I mean it's such a good mind bending, uh, time trippy, uh, politically relevant show, you know, and just examining examining America's legacy a- alongside you know these characters' legacy, mm. uh, all the little things they did, you know, like poisonous nostalgia, uh, which is what the show essentially is like, you know, yeah. uh, kind of celebrating Watchmen while also deconstructing it as well. Uh, without unfairly altering it also I think mm-hmm. you know uh, all the Huda Justice stuff I think could be extrapolated from canon mm. um, this is kind of a meta textual deconstruction of superhero myth making and why people watch superhero shows mm-hmm. you know uh, and it, it, it's great lah. Um, this is almost a perfect comic book show I think it's a perfect comic book show and just a perfect show yeah. in general one of the best of the year one of the best of the decade, decade yeah. I'm just minusing 0.5 because I had to wait every week for one episode yeah, but don't you think that if you had binged it, it would be too much? Yeah, because I think so too. No, because no, like but then, reading, but then I could have uh, spread it out my, you know, my own. I, I like the control. Okay. Oh, right. So you want to <laughs> spread it out yourself? Because That's the only I thing. Needed, I only needed thing. a break after every like, I did, two-ish I did, episodes. I did, yeah. Yeah, just to kind of like things sink in. Uh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because I feel like you get to listen to the podcast, uh, read the thing pieces, um, Google about Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, burning of Black Wall Street. Google about I German pro- propaganda leaflets. Yeah. You know, it, can, it it's educational and informational. You know, like an adult. But the one thing that I have to say, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our, uh, the reason, the only reason I knew about Tulsa was because of Crack dot com. Oh. The article like six years ago, mm-hmm. when I was a big Crack uh, fan. Yes, yeah. I, yes. Yeah, that, that was one this. of the things that they raised, uh, like massacres that happened that. Are not no, reported, yeah, like. not reported yeah. So I, I watch a lot of reaction channels mm. uh, for you know shows I like. You know, it's, it's almost like watching with your friends and yeah, they're, they're watching it for the yeah, first time sometimes, too. right? Yeah. So a lot of the white reactors, like it, I I know they will Google it later and they find out later, like, But the initial impression of Tulsa, Oklahoma was like it was an alternate history thing invented for the show. Like. Mm. I mean, of course, like, like if you're thinking this is an alternate history show, I mean, and, it was covered and, and, up and really, yeah. They've never yeah. heard of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they're like, oh, you know. Uh, the KKK using airplanes to bomb something like yeah, that doesn't the only, sound real it was the only time that airplanes were used in a first time uh, ever first time. that yeah. American saw was attacked by, by uh, airplanes, airplanes yeah. like, uh, I mean this is way before Pearl Harbor for example yeah. right yeah um, I might dock it a bit because they just never revealed who Loop Man is Oh well, wow. we we knew, yeah. yeah. Of they, they it's, did. It's Pete. It's, <laughs> it's Agent Pete. Of course, you do. You know, uh, and I love the, I love the ambiguous ending. A lot of people didn't, but yeah. I think Watchmen the comic ended ambiguously too. You didn't know what the world would end up being. Yep. You didn't know where the Rorschach's manifesto how that would be received. Mm-hmm. But it well, was now leaked. We you know, now we know. <laughs> now we know. But I think it would have been false if it didn't have an ambiguous ending. If you really wanted to be Watchmen, you need to have like. What comes next? We yeah don't la. know, you know. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Did she become the new Doctor Manhattan? Yeah, it's that kind of thing now. It's we got not just only black, but a black woman now. You know? mm. uh, also, if you don't read uh, PTpedia, you should. On HBO's website, there's this thing called PTpedia, run by Agent uh, Pete, Pete. Uh, and it is a bit like Watchmen's ancillary materials mm. that you read after, you know, like you know, you have uh, newspaper clippings, yeah, the, the interview with Adrian Veidt, you know, stuff like that, or the the biography of Ho- Holland Mel. Uh, 
Hollis uh, Mason, yeah. you know, the first night hour and stuff like that. So that gives you contextual clues yep. and information into the world of Watchmen. Mm-hmm. PTpedia does the same thing for this updated version, you know. So in PTpedia, it is uh, almost confirmed that Pete is Loop Man because <laughs> he has this fascination. Appar- no, no man, you just go read, yeah, yeah, and yeah. then and then you figure out why he is <laughs> Loop Man, you know. Yeah. And then the other small things, and I, I like that that was a real stun. Yeah, it was a practical slide stun. Into the the hole was a real stun. He literally just looped himself <laughs> and, and he into slid into a a, a, a manhole, a sewer. <laughs> That's fucking insane. I thought there was CG or something. Yeah, you know? it wasn't. It's was just fuck? a guy, a skinny guy who just like skinny enough guy. Yeah. So you could be looped, man, yeah. if you wanted to. Well, definitely not me. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, so interesting things that you might find out from PTP. Yeah, I just want to say fun facts. Uh, yeah. Johnny Cochran. Help pass the reparations act That makes sense <laughs> uh, He wasn't busy with OJ Simpson in this world I'm guessing OJ didn't murder anyone in this world uh. Maybe not Who mm. knows uh, Superhero movies are now exploitation cinema In terms of like exploitation cinema is like the MCU of those movies you know, okay. It's the most famous uh, c- Commercially successful Kind makes of sense, genre uh, Then it dives into what happened after the giant squid destroyed NYC mm. You know I really loved the, the new The tourism ad that they mm. did in Looking Glasses origin episode yeah, yeah, yeah. you know where they had like the Sopranos guy eating squid and like yeah. come back to New York yeah. I thought it was really funny la. when uh, he was the ad agency guy he was doing the uh, what do you call it um, crowd testing when when you have a people focus group focus group that's the word yes. yeah, yeah but it is crowd testing yeah you're right, you're right. the focus group la. yeah and then, you know because <laughs> they hate it <laughs> uh, a mirror guy yeah. <laughs> mirror guy it's looking glass you know, sign me up for Tim Blake Nelson's ASMR <laughs> because I really just I was just obsessed with everything he said. Yeah. Even little things, you know, every single sentence he said, I was like, oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson's ASMR, where he just whispers into my ear, can okay. help done. me fall asleep. I'm done. Yeah, it would, that'll be amazing. Or or I would I would have like looking glasses cover of Old Town Road. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> I got horses in the back. That's not. Can, can you just imagine his voice I doing can, it? Yeah. But let's not. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's it. Um, nine point five. Right. Ten. Ten. Yeah. So uh, very hi- perfect. Very highly recommended show. Yeah. One of the most will ever. One of the highest recommended shows we've ever done. Uh, mm. To be honest. You know. Uh. Okay. Next up, let's talk about before before we dive into something like the rise of Skywalker, which is. Uh, uh, let's talk about let's talk about something else lah, like Star Wars adjacent that came before stuff. before Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. that we all can kind of agree agree upon. That um, we like, like besides introducing like you know of course the cutest puppet ever created in, mm-hmm. in, in, in Baby Yoda, Disney Plus's first live action series is this gunslinging exploration of the CD gritty. Morally questionable side of Star Wars's Outlaw Frontier is the Boba Fett show we've always wanted. You know, this is the first uh, Star Wars live action TV series. Yeah, yes, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and and set after the fall of the Empire, which is very interesting. Five years after the Battle of Yavin. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and it 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 owes a lot more to dusty westerns like The Man of No Name, uh, or The Magnificent Seven, which Episode Four is kind of a direct uh, homage of. Uh, then you know, sleek sci-fi or big space opera. What. Which is what Star Wars yeah, yeah, yeah. has kind of become known for, uh, and the Mandalorian follows the adventures of an unnamed bounty hunter as he traverses the galaxy's criminal fringes. We just call him Mando for the ease. We just call him Mando, right? Yeah. Um, it's directed by several like visionary directors: John, John Favreau, Favreau Do- Dave Filoni, Deborah Chow, uh, Deborah Chow, Rick uh, Fumiyawa, oh, uh, yeah. Dope, 
um, eh, Taika Waititi, among others, uh, stars, you know, Pedro Pascal, as the Titila Mando, Giancarlo Christopher Esposito. Christopher Yost is one of the directors. Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like Giancarlo Esposito, Gus Fring is in it, yep. Carl Weathers is in it, Ming Na Wen is in it, Gina Carano is in it, Bill Burr is in it, Nick, Nick Nolte, Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Oh, man. Oh, we'll get to that. We'll yeah. The yeah. only reason he was in this, right, was so that he could get money to do his uh, independent project. That's yeah. the only reason he he agreed to be on the Mandalorian. So, uh, but he ended up loving it as well. He, did, you know? he he's yeah. kind of like gushing over it. Or he's never seen any Star Wars. He but, has but never. He, he loved the Mandalorian, and he because of the the the. I I feel it's because also of the. He likes the practicalness yeah. of the effects and everything. Yeah. yeah, and the throwback to to spaghetti westerns, mm-hmm. to Kurosawa films, you mm-hmm. know, to which were based on spaghetti westerns. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, spaghetti westerns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Correct. Um, like um. I don't know whether this guest star will mean a lot to you, but mm-hmm. to us, it did. Do you remember episode 5 when they went back to Tatooine? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Baby Yoda was handled by a mechanic. Yeah, isn't that... Um, Amy Sedaris. Amy Sedaris. So, I didn't, no re- makeup. I didn't realize who it was. Neither did but I. But when I closed my eyes and I heard her handling a baby, I was like, oh, that's Princess Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, because I had just seen Bojack Horseman like a month yeah. ago and then she was handling that baby, uh, the baby porcupine. I was like, oh, this is... Is it Princess Caroline? Is yeah. it Princess Caroline? And when she was talking, I was like, I know this voice so well. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I don't recognize who this is. Yeah. And then when she picked that baby and then she started doing baby things, I was like, oh my god, it's Princess Caroline. <laughs> so when the, the, the credits at the end rolled, then guest starring, then Amy Miss Darius, I was like, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Princess Caroline. Yeah, and, and, and the, the show as a whole, right, I adore Westerns, so one of my favourite genres. Yeah, it has, yeah has a it's a very underrated genre in this day and age. Day and age, for sure, yeah. yeah. It has a keen sense of the genre's tones and tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, I also miss the old-school standalone adventure format uh, of the pre-prestige TV era, mm. which the show does so well. Every mm-hmm. episode is this, well, almost every episode is its own thing. Uh, with a beginning, middle, and end, which forces each episode to be good and complete. Yes. Which is, I mean, think about some of the worst serialized storytelling like Daredevil or Jessica Jones and things yeah. like that like not every episode needs to end on a cliffhanger you know or not. it doesn't have to be a 13 hour movie you know it's episodic because you know why it's television yeah, it's made up of episodes yeah watch yeah. The Wire damn it I mean god damn Jessica Jones which a show that was made to be episodic focus on like one story over 13 episodes it's so frustrating so that's why I really love this I, I push back again there are a lot, some people who complain that the show is made up of filler episodes because it chooses not to be serialized. That's ridiculous. That's not filler episodes. Are it's you kidding? A TV show. Yeah. It's trying to be a TV show. Yeah. And every episode has a very good core uh, fundamental story to it. Right, right. Yeah. So think about it in, in this way, right? The most recent we haven't seen the last episode, but I've seen yet. seven of eight. La, so yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. enough to render a judgment, right? Yeah, eight is a continuation of seven. Correct, correct. Yeah. yeah. So uh we're co- recording this on Christmas Eve. Mm. So think about on episode seven, it ends on a cliffhanger, right? Yeah. How much more impactful was that when you had resolution, resolution, resolution? Then one episode, eh, no resolution. To be continued? I was like, whoa! Exactly. You know, that's how I used to, like you were fucking lucky if one of every eight episodes of the X Files had a had a <laughs> like connected to the ongoing story. You know? Yeah. It's just like once in a while, like, one or one or four episodes of Buffy yeah, yeah. connect to the ongoing story. Yeah. Resolution, resolution, resolution. No resolution. This is special. Yeah. You know. So I I kind I kind of miss that like. That's the fucking format I like. But I mean, uh, it's not that much of a surprise if you look at it. Uh, that Dave Filoni was one of the guys in it lah. Uh, yeah, Clone I Wars, mean, Rebels. Yeah, Clone Wars, Rebels, and yeah. Resistance all have. Uh, episodic also Yeah And only have like A few episodes Where there are 3-4 story arcs 3-4 yep. episode arcs And all that la. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah If but not It'll be episodic too 
I mean, I think a lot of the kids who grew up on on peak TV, like post Breaking Bad or post Sopranos, mm-hmm. right? you know, all, all some of them can do it well, of course, not like Breaking Bad, like Vince McGilligan, which itself also were kind of episodic. Actually, if you think about it, there is the trade heist episode. There is, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You can, I can name like, oh, the trade heist episode. You know what episode yeah, it is? Yeah. I cannot tell you an episode of Daredevil. <laughs> and then you're like, I, I'm not sure whether that's episode six or seven. It's or wild those in between. I can tell you the yeah. season. Yeah, I can tell you the season. <laughs> I can tell you, the season. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the the show we just reviewed Watchmen it was sort of episodic too I can it, I can tell yeah. you oh looking glasses backstory you know immediately yeah. Yeah. episode six is very clear yeah yeah you know, episode yeah. seven yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah you're right you're right yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay yeah I, I really like that it's brisk and it's compact uh, action packed you know mm-hmm. uh, I I I really kind of like the show for its simplicity me too yeah um so I, I'm gonna turn it over to you guys because I have mm. spoken <laughs> he has spoken yeah <laughs> ah. Let me just stay. Okay, first of all, the Mandalorian is beautifully rendered, lah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, the music by Ludwig uh, Goransson. Goransson, yeah, Black Panther. Black Panther, yeah. um, Childish Gambino's yeah. executive producer. I, I mean, for his uh, albums and all yep. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the only reason he was in a Star Wars film was because of his link with uh, with uh, Childish Gambino, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and through certain things. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. And every episode he does it differently a bit, where mm-hmm. there are new elements mm. to 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 be the mood of that episode, lah. Yeah, I mean the heist episode had the heist episode, heist feel. episode feel. The western the episodes were just pure yeah, western, yeah. Yeah. you know. And and th- when John Kelo Esposito showed up, there was a like underlying trap, like a very it. It was <laughs> imperial <laughs> march-ish <laughs> kind of. Yeah, music, yeah. Like, it's interesting. It was, it interesting. was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did it every single episode. So I can't wait to see how this concludes, lah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Baby Yoda is a meme now, so everybody knows that. Uh, yeah, Baby Yoda yeah. appears. We are calling it Baby Yoda not because he's, he's actually a Yoda. I mean, it's not because he's really Yoda. Yoda it's yes. because for simplicity and yeah. convenience. Yeah. And they've established yes. that he's not. The three of us know. Yeah. He is not Yoda's clone. Yeah, but we don't know the the species of Yoda. Yeah. Either, he, so. the, the George Lucas famously never named the, the species mm-hmm. to give it that mystery, lah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, so th- there's a great pairing, a uh, wolf and a cock kind of uh, lone wolf and cock, mm. yeah. lone wolf yep. kind of feel, uh, you know, between Mandalorian. I th- and I think it's a famous Western trope also. Yeah, yeah, where you have the the the, the protector and the you know yeah mm. yeah the, and the, the, yeah. the the samurai or the Japanese movies and the mm-hmm. Western movies sort of borrow from each other to yeah, the yeah. point where they are almost interchangeable. No, Kurosawa like sued a bunch of like Western producers la. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> over time la. Considering how much he ripped off, also right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everybody <laughs> ripped off from one another la, Yeah. Again. Uh, but y- you could tell that there was a lot of homages to this kind of like spaghetti westerns, mm. to uh, Kurosawa films, to um, heist movies, mm. which, um, which because we, we, we watched Rick and Morty, yeah, yeah. because of the Rick and Morty <laughs> episode, I could pull out all the tropes that were happening. Oh, Mando, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> that one really, that one. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay, we'll save that for later. Yeah. But yes. Now, also, in episode 7 was when G- uh, Gina Carano actually said those words. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I was like, oh, he- I mean. I just, uh, w- I just wish he had said, you son of a bitch. Uh, but that was a, uh, and that was a semi heist, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because it was a trick, right? It was yeah, a trick play that trick they were play. trying to do. Mm. Yeah. So, anyway, um, brilliantly done because each director brought a little of their own vision in. Mm-hmm. Like Deborah Chow's uh, episode uh, 3, I think. Yeah. Oh, that was the, the super action packed episodes and the last episode yeah. was the retro also. yeah the last one yeah yeah oh wasn't that Rick for you Rick Fimuyao yeah I can't pronounce uh, it no that was the the heist episode heist yeah. episode was him yeah. yeah all three did appear as uh, X-Wing pilots just saying correct mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was interesting um, and I'm always um, 
I always enjoy Star Wars uh, creations when Dave Filoni is in it lah. He's like a stand-in for George Lucas lah. So George Lucas, we know, is no longer like he's the man. He is the guy like yeah. he's the right hand man of George Lucas back in the day, yeah. and now he's a law master of everything. And mm-hmm. I feel that the Mandalorian really um, benefited from him being around. It's the first time the live action world has taken him seriously. Yeah, he's kind of been relegated to that animation, animation. corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which he has done such a good job. Yeah, two good uh, series in Rebels and uh, in uh, the Clone Wars. Wars. Mm. It's it's weird that for a franchise as divisive as Star Wars has become, right? Yeah, like you can find a single figure in it that is as universally beloved by everyone as Dave Filoni is. Yeah. You know? yeah. he could easily have been a Kevin Feige of this of this universe. Honestly, he should have. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Then we have avoided a lot of the pratfalls that happen in um, Star Wars. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. But if the Mandalorian. Yeah. But the Mandalorian brought back a certain sense of adventure. Yes. That that that. Cool. That it felt cool. <laughs> it felt cool. Yeah. I never felt that way for Star Wars since like I was a child. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, this is cool. Yeah. I mean, last time was like when you had Darth Maul. You yeah. Know, the, 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 yeah. The, the, with the introduction of the, the introduction of Darth Maul, that, that kind yeah. of thing, yeah. Yeah, cool. Cool. Like, but it's cool, lah. That I, one. I, yeah. I was just geeking out whenever he got a new piece of armor. I'm just like, damn, <laughs> that Beska steel, the man. Beska steel. It saved his life a lot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. I like, like that he's also not uh, an all-powerful OP, Mandalorian. Yeah. You know, no, not yeah, OP. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's the guy like, takes a lot of shots. He's competitive. Yeah. He's obviously a good fighter. He, he can he can hold his own. Yeah. He barely beats his opponents. Barely. But it makes it competitive, lah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, I like also the exploration of certain things like Mandalorian culture. I love that. Uh, we've really already established uh, the Mandalorian culture in the Clone Wars and, and Rebels. Rebels. Yeah. But here we we finally realize what has happened now. What happened when the people become a diaspora? Mm. Um, so the Mandalorians become a culture rather than oh you have to be born on the planet Mandalore. Yeah. Uh, now they accept, you know, foundlings, foundlings, and, foundlings, foundlings and foundlings and all that stuff. So there's a good uh, insight uh, to 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 the Mandalorian culture, which a lot of fans have always wondered, lah. Yeah. Uh, because Boba Fett is famously not a Mandalorian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jango Fett was famously mm-hmm. also oh, not a Mandalorian. Mandalorian yeah. Um, but at least, at least by um, ethnicity, lah, they were Mandalorian in culture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that that time a lot more racist Mandalorians, lah. Mm. But now you know they can't be racist anymore. Yeah, they need as many of them as they can get. Yeah. yeah. So it's little hints like that, lah. Little hints like you know the purge that happened. Uh, yeah. Um, the how how they are no longer as feared. Cause you realize no one fears the Mandalorian. No lah. No. Yeah. They were no. almost wiped out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like when uh one of the 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 characters uh said that oh if they were such good warriors then why right. all of them did yeah <laughs> you know that kind of thing lah. Um, but again, uh, the relationship between the Mandalorian and his compatriots, and especially with Baby Yoda, mm. I feel this series has some legs, lah. Mm. And yeah. I really want to see you know them go on to you know the merry adventures, lah, mm-hmm. and where <laughs> else it can go. Because look, there's like another twenty five years before the Force Awakens. Yeah. Mm. You know what are the adventures that they're gonna get up in? You know. Do you, Do you think it will go that long? I don't know, lah. But what I would like is that not to link. Uh, the, the the series to any of the new movies la. I said maybe tangentially la. yeah like really tangentially like far off like you know because the galaxy is huge mm. there's thousands of worlds you know yeah. there's, there's, there's space yeah yeah you don't have yeah. to be linked to the skywalkers you don't have to be linked to the jedis you don't have to be linked to the any resistance you know you can do whatever you want yeah. you mm, know yeah, explore certain sure. parts of the world that has never been explored yeah. which I felt this series has done la. yes we have absolutely. never explored this part of the of the Star Wars lore mm. yeah. mm. I mean what, what about you Isa? I mean, I generally I agree with uh, pretty much everything that Hadi has said. It's fun. 
Yeah, it's yeah. A Star Wars show. hasn't felt fun yeah. in a long, long ass time. Yeah. Like my favorite piece of Star Wars uh, was um, the heist one that they did. What's the name? Fuck, I can't remember. Uh, Rogue, uh, Rogue One, yeah. Oh, oh sorry, Rogue uh, One. Yeah, Rogue One, and yeah. that was not fun at all. It was great, but it wasn't fun. Yeah. Right, and I feel like you kind of like rediscovered that with the Mandalorian. Yeah. I do. I I do want to see more of it for sure. But I also think at the same time that Baby Yoda, his identity and his purpose, um, to other people at least, is too big of a MacGuffin to carry on for too much longer. Mm. Right, so we we'll see on the twenty seventh, mm. right? Uh, whether or not that actually kind of ties things up. But like, yeah, I would be totally down for like a season two for that Definitely. as well. Um, this can easily do three to four seasons. Yeah, mm. yeah, and then for just sure. end it. Yeah, mm. hopefully, I mean, like very brisk eight episode seasons. Yeah, you know, uh, half of them are actually standalone adventures. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I don't mind. They have one mini long story in. Well, I mean, <coughs> I mean, it's fascinating because then that's. Exactly what Filoni did with Rebels, uh, yep. right? So yeah, your standalone episodes and then your greater arcs and all of that. Mm. AKA um, TV storytelling. Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Things right. that have been done since the dawn of TV. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Like I am thoroughly enjoying it. I do feel sometimes it feels a bit awkward between director changes, maybe, um, in terms of pacing. But that might be just me and like because I binged most of it at a go, mm. right? Um. Yeah, but other than that, like, very little to complain about. And most importantly, it's fun and it's cool. And, yeah. like, it appeals to the child in me that fell in love with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we have not seen yeah. anywhere else. Oh, I just have to add, wow, the, the, also the importance to detail that they have. Like, the Mandalorian's, like, pistol, for example, that he uses, right? Mm. Is this rare, like, Dutch pistol from back in the 1800s where they just retrofitted it? Just yeah. to look a bit more blustery, yeah. Mm. But like the, the the core of it is like a uh, this uh, semi-automatic pistol for back the early 1900s or, uh, or late 1800s, that kind of thing. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think uh, you know. I to conclude, like, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, I think the the production of this show is handsome. It's one of the most lav- lavishly mm. produced shows I've seen, mm-hmm. and Disney has all the money in the world to do this. Yep. Like, um, I like the briskness of the episodes, usually coming in about half an hour or forty minutes. You know. Uh, it doesn't have to be an hour long or anything, you know. It it is however long the story needs it to be, mm-hmm. yeah. The action is cinematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music, as you mentioned, by Ludwig Goransson, always the highlight of nearly every episode. Yeah. Uh, it's not particularly deep or smart or revolutionary, nope. but it is an impeccable genre exercise. Yes, you it know. Is. Uh, yeah. The show is uh, single-handedly made Star Wars cool again. I'm giving this a seven point five out of ten. Hmm. I'll give it an eight. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna give it a seven. Nice, yeah. I mean, like, all recommended here mm-hmm. uh, in universal agreement. Unlike the next topic, uh, which is Star Wars Episode Nine: The nice. Rise of Skywalker, um, once again directed by J.J. Abrams, yeah. who has, uh, in my opinion, uh, ruined not one, but two franchises I love in Star Trek and Star Wars. Oh, don't say it. Uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, Let's start. Let's start with the guy who has good things to say first. Let's let's go with. Oh. <laughs> okay, so I enjoyed this film. Yeah. I enjoyed it tremendously. Yep. Uh, I there were emotional beats that I felt worked for me. I as the end of a long running of a nine, long running nine episode nine, saga. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things that uh, I felt for Star Wars, I felt again, that I might not have felt for the Last Jedi or Force Awakens, mm. but I felt for this uh, movie uh, The journey of Kylo Ren and Rey for me was beautifully. Um, managed at the end of it, uh, and um, I enjoyed every. Uh, even though I knew that it is 
J.J. Abrams fanboying himself and pandering and reading like Reddit stream, uh, Reddit uh, threads online and all that and mm. just making it reality, it was still good to see lah. Uh, it was nice to see certain things from the expanded universe uh, being brought over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, this already started since the Force Awakens, where um, you know JJ uh, Abrams brought a lot of expanded universe stuff back into uh, canon, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. You know, so things like the Force healing, uh, which has been uh, for the longest time pushed over into Legends, mm-hmm. brought back recently by the Mandalorian, yeah. three and then days before three days before movie. Rise of yeah. Skywalker. Yeah. Even though the change of schedule was because I of know. the Rise of Skywalker, not because oh we have to introduce these things before you watch Rise you, of Skywalker. But you know, Disney knows what they're doing. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like a good coincidence, lah. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, Force healing was one of the things, um, and. and um, the the ability of uh the only sorry sorry I enjoyed it because of the pandering I enjoyed it because uh the emotional beats got me um it hit me lah you know um when spoiler alert I guess do I have to spoil no, no don't don't spoil us well when someone had to go yeah well in real life she died okay for sure yeah of course yeah yeah so she has to pass away in this one yeah la. it's only logical yeah so. <laughs> When, for example, when Leah was was to pass away, um, that hit me really hard. Uh, and, uh, I remembered Carrie Fisher, you know, from back in the day, like, when I was eight, nine, and ten, like, you know, when I watched the, the original trilogy um, two, three years before the the the, the prequels. Mm-hmm. So I understood the impact, and yeah, that that got me, like, you know. Uh, it felt like an end. It felt like a very um, definitive like end to this. Part of Star Wars, mm. mm-hmm. and the old and I, I'm glad that it's over, lah. You know. Oh, I'm glad it's yeah, over. Yeah, I'm glad that, too, yeah. Yeah, that. We all the, can agree on that. Yeah, the waiting is done. You know, yeah. the, the okay, this is what the the, the 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 new Disney movies are like. Um, we can move on from here. You yeah. know. Okay. Um, yeah, but it it just brought back so much nostalgia. It brought back so much memories of waiting in line to to see the Phantom Menace. Uh, you know. Um, uh, reading the comics, reading the uh, expanded universe stuff, and all that. Yeah, all mm-hmm. that tied in into this movie. I felt for mm-hmm. me, okay. so a lot of it. Uh, and I, I, I think I'm the first to admit that a lot of why I like this movie is because I'm a fanboy, and it's less objective than other people's uh, reaction to this movie. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, okay. it is not. Uh, I, I'm very sure this is a one of the least objective reviews I have. Mm. That the rise of Skywalker is majorly flawed in terms of writing, in terms of pacing, in terms of a multitude of things, lah. Yeah, storytelling, yeah. Like, that's what you're saying. But somehow moments. I still you like moments, but you didn't like how the story was put together. Yeah. Okay. You know, there were, there were clear like rust jobs. There was clear like retconning from Last Jedi mm. and all that stuff. But in the end, I still enjoyed it. Mm, okay. Yeah. What about uh, what about you, Isa? Oh man, where do we even begin? Uh, Rise of Skywalker feels to me like yeah. the final season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes, yeah. Coming in the same right? year, it really feels uh, similar. Yeah, yeah, right. And uh, it's largely because it is a reactive film. Mm. Uh, I feel like Abrams felt uh, the dire, desperate need mm. to kind of redo what Rian Johnson did. Mm. Uh, and I don't think that was necessary. No. I think there could have been a compromise and like the vagueness of it all would have worked to Disney's benefit yeah. into the future. 
uh, and because they were just basically trying oh so for Game of Thrones we knew exactly where it's gonna end right like more yeah. or less yeah. and they had to hit all the plot points to kind of get there mm-hmm. but in this case I think as viewers we walk into Rise of Skywalker and we're just like okay we know that he doesn't like what happened in the last movie we have no idea what his end point is gonna be like but we know he's gonna like charge straight towards that and mm-hmm. that is basically the reason why it is the mess that it is mm-hmm. right it's sloppy it's um, convenient it's I mean it has its moments I think the lightsaber fight that Rey and Kylo have um, in, in the water right yeah, yeah. Mm. that is one of the most amazing lightsaber fights I've ever seen yeah it had this gritty realistic nature mm. rather than the gymnastic uh, I'm sorry to use the resting term spot fest that some of the previous fights yeah. have been yeah, absolutely episode three. right yeah. And the, yeah. the fact that both of them aren't particularly like well trained or anything of the sort I mean Ray is incredible both of them are incredibly powerful with the force mm. right but technique is not there their technique is not there yeah. they're just like brooting their way through the entire yeah, I mean, there, there hasn't been a special mm. master in, in lightsabering for like yeah, yeah. yeah since I love that, eons, right? that yeah. moment the moment I love the most from this movie was when Ray got winded uh, yeah. in, in that particular fight and then she just started swinging swinging yeah. and swinging with no technique Absolutely. I thought it was like yeah that's realistic right? Yeah. you're tired, you're yeah. tired. Yeah. Yeah. that's exactly yeah. that and like that entire sequence for me was like okay like I'm gonna cut this movie some slack just for that yeah. alone <laughs> right kind of like in the same way I cut Aquaman a bit of slack for that in one ins- sequence where he dived down yeah. into the, the yeah. Into the like the that shows, kind of like yeah. made it for me yeah. that and like the few moments where Adam Driver got to be himself mm. right near the end <laughs> like those yeah. moments were classic those moments were like so incredibly funny yeah. even though it was such a small small thing and I feel that for if for if that was the only reason they casted Adam Driver, just so that after three freaking movies, right, we would get those reactions. The one, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. Like his shrug. The like, yeah. shrug. Oh, that shrug was so good. It's so good. It's so good. I mean, like, so there there were good things, you know, but that was it was just surrounded by so much problematic, um, shortcut kind of like storytelling things. Yeah. Character arcs weren't explored. Things weren't explained. You know, and I mean, like, it's it's a sad way to end a trilogy, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think say what you want about the last Jedi, I, I, it was challenging and risky, lah. Yeah. Ryan Johnson strikes me as one of those like true filmmakers with an original vision or something new. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, most people seem to think that he didn't quite pull it off, but hey, at least he tried, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, like I think episode nine, S was episode um seven. Uh, seven. Uh, well, it kind of lowest common denominator fan service pandering, and and, and and I I gave J J Abrams the benefit of the doubt with Force Awakens because it was the first movie returning to the universe. So you want to reintroduce these sort of things again? Clearly, I you mean, to, yeah. clearly you had to take the nostalgia boxes because if yep. you wanted to do it, this is the time to do it, yep. And then yeah, from that yeah. on, I thought the new trilogy would forge its own path, which is why uh, Ryan Johnson tried to do that, mm-hmm. And and J J Abrams like the Star Wars nerd that he is, and did all that because he reacted the same way every other every Star Wars fan. Did, yeah. Did because you know they dared subvert our beloved tropes, you know. Yeah. Um, and then he read Wikipedia and he scrolled tr- scrolled through Reddit threads and then he proceeded to make a checklist of everything fans wanted. Yep. And then just lazily crafted a story around these moments. Um, the result is, I think, a, a really like you said, a disappointing end to a legendary saga that lacks originality and thought. It's it's so poorly paced that it feels both rushed and too long at the and same time. Yes, exactly. Uh, uh, none of the emotional beats are really given time to land because whenever something major happens, you immediately move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the story is just a series of MacGuffins. You know, we got to get that do that that leads us to that other do that mm-hmm. that leads us to that other do that, and then yeah. in the end, that do that doesn't matter. Um, 
I on on the flip <sighs> side, the, it's superficially entertaining. I think um the, the action set pieces are quite breathtaking. They are. Yeah. Um, I like the explanation for why stormtroopers are incompetent because they are NS men essentially something we've always theorized. Yeah. They are conscripted, it's conscripted right? Yeah. Um, I like the colorful alien festival that they introduced oh, that in the first pre- act. That was pretty dope. I don't think we've actually seen um that much. Uh, like a deep dive of culture except in the Mandalorian except in the Mandalorian yeah, yeah. yeah. the Colorful Alien Festival was great like mm. I wanted to like party there yeah, yeah. 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 I uh, wanted to know a bit more about what was going on yeah. I, I, I really adore Babu Freak who, oh, uh, who I think is like Babu Freak. The, the, the star of this movie he got Absolutely. a bit of a Malay accent yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm just uh, I think Lando Calrissian's uh, smooth player pimp characterization is so wonderfully consistent across all the movies I love it. he was the best part of Solo as well yes, a movie absolutely. that we all were mediocre on um, uh, I kind of like Carrie Russell Azori, even though she was underused. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. like other, I mean, the quipping was great, but other than that, yeah, yeah, it wasn't really much. Um, but yeah, that's about it. I I can't really s- get over how uninspired or convoluted the plot was. It's it's re- dialogue wise, it's so badly written. Yeah, as it was character wise, I think. Yep. they reintroduced. This is the first scene, and you saw it in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. <coughs> they reintroduced Palpatine, yeah. which is a big deal. Yep. He came back to life off screen. Yeah. Why not show this major thing, important thing, on screen? Yeah. And maybe leave the do that chasing to the crawl text. Yeah. We had to find this knife to find that thing. Write it for me in your PowerPoint slide. Yeah. I don't need to watch it. I, how Palpatine came back to like oh wow that sounds interesting maybe you want to show that or, or anything like that la. that's because no one has the answers to how that actually works you see <laughs> conjurers and soothsayers yeah. like offhanded lines like that it's like oh yeah okay yeah, that explains it yeah. um, then why not remove one of the MacGuffin hunts and give oh, sure. Finn or Poe something actual I know they do things I'm talking about emotional I things I was especially annoyed with Poe's arc yeah. This time around. Because I feel like in The Last Jedi, right, there was an opportunity for him to step up. Mm. And I thought that this movie would be where we see that, but we do not. He's still incredibly annoying. Yeah. Right? And, and Finn well, he too. did kind of step up. Though. Yeah, because... Sort of. He and, had no choice. Leia died. Though. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean... That's like, how he stepped up? Yeah, there was a void in, you know... Uh, yeah, in the leadership thing, and uh, he has to inherit that, but yeah. like... like he was what, what was the general who was giving him shit? Holdo. Yeah. Last, right. the last one. Last yeah, one. those were some really great moments where they talk about you mm. know leading and they're talking about war and they're talking about that. I like that none it's called the Haldo ha- maneuver. Yeah, mm. it, none of that comes to fruition at all. It is such a waste. A Finn <coughs> who was given introduced so many interesting things like he's in love with Ray. Yeah. He's the first stormtrooper to to defect. Yeah, things like that. They just like quite never he pay had off. That small little moment with the the, the yeah. horseback lady mm-hmm. with the other stormtrooper. Yeah, so mm. even that was like I mean you've got it wasn't so expended much- lah. Yeah, mm. and then you can things that you can do like expand on the morality of like w- needlessly killing stormtroopers. Yeah, like oh, if if I turn good, why can't they? Maybe they should be re- rehabilitated. Maybe they're not the villains that they are, you know. But yeah, sure, it's not Steven Universe, so I get that. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, uh, but my main issue was the lack of an emotional arc for Finn, Finn and Paul. Uh. Pin, yeah. pin. Correct, uh. correct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's the, a ship the, name, the, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, give them something to do, uh, and and for a film whose climax ate so much from Avengers Endgame, from the on your left moment to the I am Iron Man <laughs> moment, 
the difference in Feige's payoff and JJ Abrams' payoff is startling. You know, there there is a way to do fan service well. I realize because yes. Endgame showed it. You know, yep. you could have done all these beats and still made it good. Yep. And, and the MCU, I think it's a comparable sized franchise with as much money and expectation riding Absolutely. on it. Absolutely. So the, even more movies. Oh. Yeah. So like the the excuse that like oh this is too much pressure. Like doesn't hold true because yeah. I've seen like another franchise with just as much pressure and money in a long time. Like, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the rise of Skywalker's biggest twist or reveal undid Ryan Johnson's most interesting take on Star Wars yeah. and the most interesting thing Star Wars has done in ages. This egalitarian take on Rey, which is honestly the most refreshing thing they've done. You know. Yep. Johnson went above and beyond to show us that you don't need to be from some great family you or lineage to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she, you can just be any girl or any boy out there. If you try, you can make a difference. That final scene in the Last Jedi, where that little kid used that, used the force to pick up a broom, right? You yeah. know, such a beautiful moment in and kind of heralded this new direction for Star Wars. And JJ was like, "Nope, let's do nostalgia." Fuck shit. <laughs> yeah. No, and and I'm okay. Like, let's take that in comparison to the Mandalorian, who isn't actually Mandalorian, who is a foundling, right? That yeah. Found, and he's making something of himself and having an impact. On the greater Star yeah. Wars world with his yeah. adventures, right? And like all of that is what makes a Mandalorian you so see, I good. I agree with all these things that you're saying. Mm. I still love the film. All right, all right. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I mean, how would you rate it, Adi? Uh, six and a half, la. Six and a half. Okay, out. And and I said I'm gonna give it a five, <laughs> just <right>. for <laughs> the how epic some of the action sequences were. I know mm, what yeah. he is gonna give. I'm giving it a four. Yeah. Yeah, I raised it up for an initial for what, three. Three, right? Yeah, so I liked it more the second time yeah. at least, you know. Um, okay, uh, let's uh, move on to See, our even though I loved it, it's still six and a half. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but you still recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I still recommend it. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. Uh. Um, let's move on to uh, a show that we all love. Let's let, let's let's unite again. Yeah, let's unite one more time. <laughs> let's heal some uh, fractures. Yeah, come together in your loudest and belt the loudest. <laughs> we are here to discuss the expense. <laughs> um, one year after it's oh, your, your belter talk not bad. Because now Amazon Prime They got like the subtitles right? Yeah, and I can I'm picking see. up so it's much, so much Belter, Belter yeah. Creole yeah. It's so good uh, Yeah okay. like One year after it was cancelled Bafflingly right yeah. uh, Amazon revived the expense For a glorious fourth season and yeah, it, What it a fourth season is it Remains oh, one of the densest Richest Most rewarding And most scientifically accurate Hard sci-fi man ha- Yeah hard sci-fi And a very politically potent sci-fi As Love well it. Series on air mm-hmm. It has uh, Not a bigger budget But it has The, the same budget But, but spread out episode. over Less episodes 10 episodes now mm-hmm. A new platform With a different distribution model You can binge it all at once If yeah. you choose to uh, But very much the same show You know um, Picking up immediately After the events Of the third season finale mm-hmm. Yep after the opening of the ring gate, there's a, a land rush, so to speak, you know, <laughs> uh, for the newly discovered planets on the other side, in particular, our Rosinante crew, uh, find themselves on a new planet called New Terra or Illus, depending yep. on where you come from. Mm-hmm. Um, call it New Terra if you're the settlers, mm-hmm. Illus if you're the mining corporation. Correct, yeah. Oh, uh, no, it's the other way around. Or is it the other way around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. New Terra is mm. Earthers oh, and Martians oh, yeah, call yeah, it, correct, yeah. Correct, yeah, yeah. Uh, so they become As they always do uh, They become embroiled In the conflict Over uh, who owns the land uh, There are Belto refugees Desperate to make it Their new home After a long history Of poverty and oppression uh, Also a mining company From Earth Seeking to mine Its lithium resources yeah. um, Considering that The first three seasons Of the expense Are largely concerned With ideas of how Class structures And politics Oppressive politics Perpetuate Even in the furthest Reaches of space Right yeah. Yeah. You can already tell That this is going to be a sort of ugly Morally ambiguous Anti-colonialism Allegory mm-hmm. a- a- and-, and the crew Once again 
finds themselves in the in the in the middle of a conflict that threatens to become the epicenter of something much much bigger than this small political squabble, yeah, yeah, especially yeah. when it seems like the planet itself might be alive and the protein molecules seem to have an agenda of its own, mm-hmm. and uh, the struggle over this new planet is a clear metaphor for explore, exploration and yeah. colonization that's occurred throughout Earth's history. Unless it's like the Wild West, isn't it? Mm. Yes, that's what I was just going to say. It's an un- un- speaking of westerns, right? Yeah, it's an you had a bit of that. Yeah, unsettled land, and that's fair game for anyone ruthless enough to take it, no matter how many downtrodden immigrants they have to roll over and possess. Yeah, it's a very compelling story. I mean, what do you guys think about season four of the X Men? <sighs> it continues its form. Yeah. I feel the X Men continues its form. Um, again, we are trust in the Rosinante and this, this, the love for the crew we have. Like we have grown with for yeah. the past three years. Yeah. Um, Holden has become this character of uh, less more less Jesus like, more practical. Mm-hmm. You I know, he was always very savior like in the past few okay. seasons. I think especially for season one and season two, uh, right? Like we had this idea like he's in control, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But ever since uh, Miller's gotten into his head, right, he's yeah. just fumbling around. Yeah, he's fucking up confused. all the time, and I love it. Yeah, I love the fact that he has absolutely no idea what is going on. Yeah, yeah. But the whole. He, all I mean, of humanity sees him as some sort of a like, lot of the things that happen this season is his fault. Yeah, exactly. I, I love it. You know, right. um, we we carry on with characters like Naomi who who had a good arc. Yeah, it was um, pretty good. You know, uh, we had Amos who had really good arc. Oh my god, Amos right? was a fantastic arc this right? season. Yeah, and uh, you had also um um what's his, what's his name the driver. Okay, driver didn't have much of an arc. Alex, 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 Alex was okay. Alex was a lot on the ship like, most of the yeah. time. Bobby was great. Uh, Bobby's mm, arc was, was interesting, great. right? Was Bobby's great. arc, you know, in the the Mars underground and all that stuff yeah. that you never really explored. Yeah, which was uh, nice. the no durian signs and all that that happened. Mm. Um, Avastralas, Avastralas. Uh, oh yeah, re-election yeah. arc is interesting. So all these things all freaking tied into the finale, lah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so I, I, I liked how they weaved all these stories which at the beginning were really far, far away. Mm-hmm. Like Erasala on Earth, you know, Rosinante on New Terra or Illus, and you had Bobby on Mars. And actually, and oh, you had also the Belters like, with yeah. their, their own um, insurrections that were happening within them. Within the OPA. Like. Within the OPA. Yeah. Like. I mean, they have struck a truce, but uh, some of the more hardcore. Uh, like, Dude, why are you doing this? I guess the real OPA yeah, the if real, con- yeah, yeah. compare them it's to like the IRA, IRA yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the real IRA like, yeah. the ones that would not take shit from the, mm. the, the Earth or Mars mm. so how all these very very disconnected storylines actually like slowly mm. just kind of tied in to the finale like. they're yeah. very slowly introducing uh, what I've been told is the series' most compelling villain uh, Marcos Inaros yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and like he hasn't really even interacted with Rosalante nope. yet like, and like the way they introduce him is very cool mm. yeah and his relationship with Naomi mm. that's also Actually that is interesting. I want to see how that plays out. Also, son, like very old. Huh? How young was she when he had? The son? I don't know. I don't know. But then again, relativity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> true, true, true. Yeah. yeah. But all in all, uh, I felt that um, each episode was uh, just kept me going. Like, okay, I need to watch what's happening next. Mm, yeah. You know what? What's happening next? And it's not as heavy as Watchmen, where you need to take a break after two, three episodes. It's right? okay for binging. Yeah. This yeah. this is one of those. Uh, Actually, I do enjoy binging it more than the original way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weekly, I feel like it lends itself to binging a bit. More. Yeah, I think it was structured that way. Like. Mm. Mm-hmm. I knew by by the end of it, I was like, I just went, whoa, that yeah. really happened. Yeah. 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 And the, the cliffhanger at the end, you're like, oh, what? It, no, why you stop now? <laughs> it stopped at the most cliffhangers of cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, that that's how beautifully done the expense was. La. Yeah. Season 4 is a 
it's a great continuation of a series that we have loved for the past three years. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um. I think the the focus on a frontier like environment like Illus kind of changes the feel of the series a bit. Yep. Yeah, you know, um, yeah. A, a lot of it is grounded this season, like yeah, uh, uh debates in the UN, uh, a gangster story in Mars, uh, a frontier story on a planet, you know, things you never seen before. Yeah, usually only the OPA storyline takes place in space. Yes, yes. you know, uh, so it, it has a, a very, no choice. It has a very, for lack of a better term, grounded feel to it, yeah. it literally and metaphorically. <laughs> uh, but at, at the heart of it all, there's like new themes of like the the hubris of colonization, you know, and the entitlement that makes people think that they can take whatever they find uh, a desperation that forces the oppressed to make a similar gambit and over time it's it's hard a lot of characters do things that are considered what could be considered noble in the moment mm-hmm. you know mm. uh, everybody understands why they do you know what I understand why the belters do what they do I understand why Murtry did what he did Murtry is presented as a villain but there is a show where he could be a hero yeah like I mean I don't think he he overreacted a bit but I understand <laughs> what why he's coming from considering you know that his his theory that his ship was bombed was bombed yeah. oh, turned out to be true yeah. like who wouldn't react that way right yeah, that especially if true. you're a security officer I yeah. think I believe I, I could you lost excuse like half him half your crew yeah. Yeah. yeah I could excuse him all the way to the point where Amos confronts him and calls him out for shit yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think this season is like a more polished, updated version of uh, Battlestar Galactica. Ooh, it, it, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's all about the impossible choices in impossible situations and whether the ends justify the means and if the means are righteous and good, you know. Um, it's very Western, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, BSG Season 3, for example, had a storyline where the president, uh, during a re-election campaign, did a lot of questionable things that make us... Question her integrity, yeah, uh, and also they settle on a new planet, which kind of become becomes this crucible for humanity and morality and civilization. You know, it, it really feels a lot like this, lah. Uh, and you know, I really love the separate storyline with, like you mentioned, post military Bobby Draper, mm. uh, kind of kind of eking out a living on Mars and makes some surprising choices to do so because. She's always been this very straight shooter character, full of integrity and honor. Might be willing to bend. Uh, in Morley Murky's circumstances But how much Will she be willing to bend yeah. It's a very character driven subplot Actually mm, mm. Uh, With almost no ties Up until the end la, To the Rocinante crew yeah. um, And kind of Witnessing this Disillusionment Of a patriot Is, is fascinating uh, And it, it allows us To explore Mars More than we've ever done before yeah. um, Surala, uh Shore Agadashlu uh, Now the <laughs> Secretary General of the UN it, it, She's so good Oh my god it's such a great I think she remains Like so entertaining As she struggles With political office Because she she's always Had this curt And impatient demeanor She's yeah. a bit of a curmudgeon mm. uh, How <laughs> That won't play well In political office Obviously um, Will she learn To play the political game And more importantly Will the game corrupt her uh, That's kind of the, Her story this yep. season yep. Uh, and, and the new Amazon platform Allows her character To curse so much more oh, yeah. Than she ever has I love it I which it. is it, it makes, makes more sense for a character like that, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and all of this deepens and enlarges the and enlarges the world of the expense, la. It does. And you know, just to, to echo Wes Chatham's uh, performance at Amos, yeah, low key blew me away the season, man. Right, one of the best. It's uh, so good. Because you know he starts out as this archetypal sci-fi character, the stoic, violent anti-hero with unseen depths. You know, and like so very many simple, before. not much complexity. Oh, no, he's the muscle, lah. Yeah. The muscle, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And the, the show unravels those depths, oh, and Amos becomes it's very so compelling. Like, I mean, they have been doing it, lah. Of course, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he did 
I mean, he, there was a lot of that in season three, yeah. but mm. this time round, it's like they just nah, just it, make him complex as fuck. I mean, it's different because like this season, there is um not to spoil anything, but there uh, there is a couple of episodes where a spurt of blindness uh, forces Amos to confront a childhood trauma, yeah, and and, and 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 to see um Amos vulnerable and all afraid uh in a very emotion emotion way, but yeah. he's still vulnerable and afraid. It is, yeah. It's amazing and surprising. Yes, you know because is. I've never seen Amos react that way to anything he's always so unflappable and yep. he was so flat you know, <laughs> in that situation uh, it, it kind of humanizes him in a way that I haven't seen before I love how they got the cure for the blindness by the way yeah that was genius but, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I was reading an interview with uh, with um, the actor and he was saying that he went to therapy just, yeah, to just to understand um, the, the trauma of the of, of the character it's mm-hmm. quite good yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, clearly an abused child yeah. but then like just as you see in Amos humanize you know um, the show is very quick to remind you in the final piece. in the final episode like <laughs> one crazed look in his eye and, and a bloodied smile that he is a fucking monster too like. but he yeah, just yeah. he I looked at it. him thank, thank you, you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. fuck lah. Oh my god. Well, you're fucked. <laughs> so, um, I follow Adam Adam Savage, uh, Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Yeah, mm. his own channel got tested. Uh, he had the the thing with the the the. Hey, he came out in season three as well. He did. Adam Savage, yeah, yeah, as one of the OPA guys. <laughs> uh, Wait, I remember this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah, so uh, he interviewed uh the West. prop guy, right? Yes, and he interviewed Wes Chatham as well. Oh mm-hmm. shit, he did. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Wes said that 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 final scene. If you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. You know where uh him and Mercury have one final conf- confrontation. Thank you. Uh, and and that scene, what apparently the two actors got so into it that he was punched for real. Ooh. Uh, and that bloody mouth was real. He didn't realize it at the time. Uh, and it's so amazing because I felt it. <laughs> yeah, I felt the tension and like the crazed look on his face. It's like, oh, you motherfucker. Oh, so good. Yeah, yeah. You so should good. have punched him. And then, him. like the 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 look or the actor who played Mertry, the look of fear on, in his eyes is like, oh, that was real too. <laughs> what the fuck did I do? Uh, yeah, it's it's really great. Like uh, the the show, the acting across the board is is, is very very good. I'm uh, Mertry. I remember him from uh, what's that fucking show? Kaiju. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. He's all the doctors, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I I think like through it, all the characters. Fans have gotten to know over the past three seasons. They remain consistent. They do, uh, yeah. but they come out against new challenges, so you see more facets of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's it's this balance of weaving not only the large and small issues of characters, but also how storylines impact each other, yeah. either politically yeah. or or uh, sci-fi. <laughs> sci-fi. <laughs> uh, in in major and minor ways that it continues to make the expense so exciting. It's it an does. exciting show. Yeah. You know. There are a lot of shows that are like smart and fascinating but like for pure like adrenaline like oh shit I gotta see what happens next. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. expense ranks Especially right now. up there. Like. Yeah. God damn. I mean like uh, like concluding thoughts you guys have any? Uh, if you haven't watched the expense now is the best time to catch up. Yeah. It's I, all on Amazon. Yeah. All there's on four Amazon. freaking seasons go and just watch everything. Everything's there. Yeah. It's binge worthy. Yeah. yeah. There's very little to complain about. Okay, I will say this. I think Miller as a plot device in Holden's head mm. has been a bit problematic for me this season. They got rid of it. Well, yeah. They, they got rid of it. So they got but like <laughs> how it played out during this season just felt a bit too convenient mm. for my liking. Uh but other than that, Fucking I think I think the farewell was was great. Mm. I think the introduction of uh Dr. Okoye is interesting. Mm, as yeah, well. new character. Uh, yeah. yeah, and I, I did 
I did enjoy the fact that we actually have a scientist who's good. Mm. <laughs> After three freaking seasons, right? Like we I have mean, good a scientists are boring, see. Yeah, but she's yeah. she's pretty fascinating. Like she brings <laughs> a moral kind of like standard to the table that yeah, I yeah. think is very different from what we've had so far in three seasons. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. There are all these these evil scientists not evil, oh, but yeah. rather scientists who push the void, the push the the envelope too much. Yeah. Until they become villains. Yeah, yeah. She just reminds me of like a scientist that genuinely wants to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And, and she's it's stuck in an impossible situation and she's just yeah. trying to muddle her way through. I think they kind of just watch Annihilation and saw Natalie Portman's characters like yeah. that. Have one of those. Yeah, yeah one of those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can't wait for like Bobby's storyline to kind of coalesce. Yes. Uh, from what yeah. I've been told is a novella. Uh, her st- her subplot this season is from a novella that is separate, oh. but the novella ties into the Rosinante storyline. I mean, we figure yeah, out at the end I, how it does. I, the, yeah. I really like it when Bobby's with the crew. Yeah, yeah, I think she plays it off very very well. But they connected to they connected her to Avasarala at the end also. They also yeah. play very well of each other. Yeah, you know. yeah. but Avasarala is no longer UN Secretary General. La. Spoiler alert! La. Spoiler yeah, alert! La. Yeah. Well, so how? I don't know I Exactly don't know. now That's why you have to watch that, that, that allows her to I guess Have more freedom Of movement yeah. Maybe in the story She can she can go to Pass the ringgit If she wants to you know? Maybe I mean like Considering like Nancy Gao I like how they presented Nancy Gao Yes I Me really too. actually Nancy Gao wasn't presented As a villain Wasn't She had like cogent points She made it like Succinctly like, yeah, Correct Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and compellingly And L- she didn't do Any dirty tactics That one thing that uh, Everstrola did Was dirty The one where She revealed yeah. that uh, You know like Nancy yeah, Gao Nancy uh, a lottery placement right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean and I how she con- counted that was freaking brilliant yeah. but I love the fact that they put I, despite the fact that they didn't villainize her right mm. vilify her rather um, I like the fact that she's still presented as an opportunity as a politician should very well be yeah because the moment she hears the news right she just flips it yeah. to her benefit and I, I really like that I hope she features a bit more um, As the Secretary General of the UN, she should lah. She yeah. should, yeah. yeah. So we'll see how. I mean, we goes. didn't see much of mass leadership this season, lah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but it's still kind of like this monolithic thing that's fracturing apart. But we'll see. We'll see. Right, yeah. Uh, I'm giving this an eight point five out of ten. Mm, same eight point five. Yep, I'm gonna go with eight point five. Mm. All right. See, uh, universally liked. Universally liked uh, across all ringgits. Yeah. One thousand three hundred systems. Whenever you say ringgit, I keep hearing ring ringgit. Like. Ringgit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just there are different currency over in uh, <laughs> ALS. La. Yeah. They use the ringgit. Yeah, we have three times more. Anyway, uh, uh, let's take a break. We're going to take a smoke break before we continue, but you obviously won't realize yeah, that's this. Why, yeah. Yeah. why yeah. you tell them? I don't know. Maybe I'll play like, some music now. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can go have a break too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in a while, we'll be talking about other things. Like uh, The Witcher, Rick and Morty, a lot of things. Yeah, right. Please stay tuned. Please stay tuned. And we are back from our break, guys. Uh, I needed to catch my breath there. We talked a lot. Uh, Watchmen was like a 40 minute discussion <laughs> Yeah man You know And of course The Rise of Skywalker And Mandalorian Deserved a merited Like long discussion as well Yeah exactly uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna kind of Quickly breeze through The next few topics yeah. Um there have been two lavish fantasy series that have been adapted. Uh, mm-hmm. One on HBO and BBC and one on Netflix. Uh, we'll talk about His Dark Materials first, mm-hmm. which is an adaptation of Philip, Philip Pullman's uh, acclaimed tri- trilogy. Uh, kind of considered a modern masterpiece of imaginative fiction for kids. Yeah. Um, the first series follows uh, Lyra Balakwa, uh, aka Daphne Keane from uh, Logan X23. You'll probably know her as yeah. X23. A seemingly ordinary but brave young woman from another world. Uh, mm-hmm. Lyra's Search for a kidnapped friend uncovers a sinister plot involving stolen children and it becomes a quest to understand a mysterious phenomenon called dust. Uh, she journeys through the worlds, including our own. Uh, Lyra meets a determined and courageous boy called Wilt 
uh, called, sorry, called Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, together, they encounter extraordinary beings and interesting secrets uh, with the fate of both the living and uh, the dead in their hands. Um, this star-studded cast has uh, James McAvoy, mm-hmm. a slot as real, uh, Ruth Lin Wilson. Miranda. Yeah, Lynn Manuel Miranda as Lee Scorsby, Ruth Wilson as uh, Mrs. Coulter. You may remember Ruth from uh, Lufa. Mm. Uh, Clark Peters as the master of Jordan College. You may know him from The Wire. Yeah. Uh, Freeman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think for those disappointed by the atrocious film adaptation, um, that was an atrocious film adaptation. It was, yeah. I, I'm glad to see that this this kind of ambitious, very lavishly shot, kind very gorgeously produced series is a better adaptation of the Golden Compass specifically. Yeah. Uh, his dark materials is very beautiful. It it, it kind of captures the the strangeness and childlike wonder of the books. Uh, has really really good acting, um, alongside kind of this uh lofty themes about power and faith. You know, mm-hmm, um. Mm-hmm. As a person who is an atheist and kind of distrusts ver- any sort of religious institutionalism, mm-hmm. you know, uh, his dark materials is sort of written and made for a guy like me, la, yeah, who is like, oh, all these like various religious organizations are like full of shit. Mm. Uh, they're oppressing people and all that. La. So I mean, that's kind of the themes of this book. Um, while not as thought-provoking or imaginative as some of the other titles that we've covered this month, um, this has been pretty solid. Um, it's very buoyed by fantastic visuals. Whenever it gets draggy or slow, mm. you can just look at the screen and be like, "Whoa, yeah, this looks really good." Um, it has a dynamite cast, uh, gorgeously produced fantasy epic, and I like that it's for all ages. Yeah, unlike the next one we're talking about, this is definitely for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of dragged by a slow start in the first, I think, two or three episodes, which may lose some viewers. But episode four almost feels like. A mini reboot, like it's a pilot for a new show. Mm. Um, so episode four onwards is quite riveting. It really ramps up towards the end to 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 a really great finale, a very mm. very exciting finale. Um, and it kind of became one of my low key weekly pleasures, lah. Not mm. a great show by any means, but I kind of enjoyed. Uh, I ended up enjoying it and looking forward to it every Monday. Okay. Uh, and yeah, um, this is a six out of ten for me. Not bad. Yep, not All bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk about another famous fantasy adaptation. Mm. Based on a f- popular video game franchise and a series of books by Polish author, mm. but And this series is based on the books. Yeah. Based on the books, yeah. um, Andrei Andreas Sapkowski. Andreas Sapkowski. I'm not going to attempt that. Uh, yeah, uh, The Witcher is Netflix's latest entry into the fantasy genre after uh, The Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance. Yeah, uh, it stars Henry Cavill as monster hunter Geralt of Rivia, mm-hmm. and it's kind of this uh, pseudo medieval fantasy that plays like a magical monster of the week procedural, mm. uh, like a law and order monster victims unit, something or, 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 or like mo- monster hunting unit, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Uh, like ghost hunters, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Crossed with the grim violence, visual skill, and wanton nudity of a uh, game of Thrones. For example, okay, yeah. Um, is it any good? I'm gonna turn it over to uh, Hadi, <laughs> who's seen um the entire oh, yeah, show. Yeah, I finished it. Yeah. yeah, and and Isa has seen half half of the series, yeah. and I've seen one episode. You've seen one. Episode. So <laughs> I, I think for a person with the most well-rounded context of the show, I mean, uh, kick it All off. Alright, so The Witcher itself, um, I had a lot of concern when it first came out, yeah. just because I played the games lah. I didn't read the books. Okay. I've never seen the novels until just recently. Yeah. But I've never read it. Uh, I think Isa has read the books or some uh, of it. Just the first. Just one. the first one. Just the yeah. First one. So this takes place um, according to the novel timeline. Yes. Yeah. Right. So this is like way before the games. Yeah. Uh, the Witcher, in terms of production, you can see that there were money. There was money. <laughs> There's that a lot that of was money. Near yeah. la, you know, the monsters are really well made, um, well designed. Mm-hmm. 
um, Gerald and he, uh, his Witcher um, abilities. abilities are kind of fleshed out quite well. Mm. Um, the Witcher suffers a bit in the first few episodes, I feel, just because of Gerald's. Uh, I mean, just I'm not. It's just very confusing at the beginning, like trying to like figure out what is happening. Uh, I wasn't confused. I just didn't like what I was seeing. Like, yeah. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was confused just because of the timeline uh, oh, issues. Oh, the game. As yeah. the game uh, played. No, no, uh, but because there are three separate timelines uh, in the, the series itself. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so there's one timeline that's taking place way into the future. Mm. One that's taking place like 30 years before. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah, I so, understand, yeah. Uh, all of that kind of like, you kind of figured it out as the... the, the 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 series continues yeah. mm-hmm. especially the midpoint onwards then you're ah okay I know what's happening now mm-hmm. um, in terms of the world building I thought it was relatively well done um, there was a lot of um, uh, great little uh, tidbits you know throughout the entire season yeah. where they introduced a lot of uh, little um, nuggets of information la, about the world that we we're living in la, you know about the magic mages elves um, other sentient beings that are seen as second-class citizens to the humans, you know, the very, very tropey kind of uh, fantasy stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, a lot of... One of the issues I had with The Witcher was a lot of the dialogue felt very game cutscene yeah. kind of. like. Exactly. I've seen better dialogue in game cutscenes, to be honest. Yeah, okay, that also. <laughs> la. yeah. To be you know? fair, in The Witcher 3, like, the game Not dialogue the game, is yeah, yeah. amazing. It's yeah. amazing, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, but you know what, it, feel, it feels like it was written by George Lucas. Because it, it has this amazing world, visually rich. He knows all these that like, complex like hierarchies of like you know, the structure and yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah. The world is beautifully built, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing themes and all of that, right? Yeah. But then he doesn't know shit about drama. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know yeah. how people speak. Okay, yeah, along those something like that, like, yeah. I thought that was a bit problematic at first. Yeah. But the good thing about Gerald, it, it, uh, uh, Gerald, 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 yeah. okay, yeah. is that he doesn't have many lines. He doesn't need to have many lines. But a lot of char- other characters speak also. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But the main <laughs> character, like Henry Cavill's uh, performance, therefore, is helped that with Gerald not saying much. Mm. Uh, yeah. He just needs to speak when necessary, mm. which also works. And he has the growl down to a point. Mm. Yeah. So it, it, I was concerned at first with his casting, but then after seeing how passionate he was trying to get this role, uh, and after seeing it now on, on of all eight episodes, I'm like, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Yeah. He is meant to be girl of Riviera. Okay. Yeah. Okay. How? Yeah, I, I'm okay with this series. Like, I wasn't that blown away by it. Yeah. Um, but I was thoroughly entertained. Okay. Yeah, by the, the the time you know when you introduce things like the dragon and you introduce things like <laughs> the strigas and you introduce things like you know things that um have come from the games also, yeah, and also the the relationship between the main characters so, Gerald, Jennifer, and uh Siri, mm. Siri, Siri, yeah, the three of them and eventually um, you know all those stories do tie into the finale mm-hmm. yeah, so all those kind of things are, are kind of well done lah. Yeah, but the dialogue does get better. I feel as the episodes go on. Yeah, but I do feel. I mean, like given you need that to push I'm only through, halfway through, I do feel like it does get better as the episodes go along. Yeah, right. I do think that I, I'm constantly asking myself, right, that I take a lot of things for granted because I played the games. Mm. Uh, and I don't know if the world building is as complete for someone who has never played the games. Of course not, lah. Because you, 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 you know, when you're playing the game, you're literally exploring it yeah you're immersing yourself, yourself, you're into immersing it. yourself so I don't into know it. if I had not played the games at all would it have been 
confusing. Mm. I, I think, start to judge it as a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I said adaptation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, exactly. I feel as though as gorgeous as it is and as some, there's a lot of detail but I don't know if it's enough detail. I, I feel like okay, the first okay. three episodes in particular are trying to do too much. Yeah, they're trying to establish order. They're trying to establish yeah. and the... with the three the timelines world. that are ongoing at the same time and all the detail that's kind of flowing in at the yeah, same yeah. time, right? It is a lot to take in. And that's true. Even that's then, true, actually. I'm informed by the games. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I know who Yennefer, I know who Siri mm-hmm. is. Exactly. I know, so it makes it like, okay, yeah, I know where yeah, this is so going. So, I mean, yeah, I, can, yeah. I can kind of understand when people tell me like, oh, you know, I, I watched like two episodes. I have no idea what's going on. And they don't play the games. They haven't played yeah, the games. Yeah, okay. so, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it does as good as a job as say... People who've never read Watchmen were able to get Watchmen even as confusing as it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was a masterclass in world building, and yeah. this one sort of falls short a bit, lah. Yeah, I agree. It does. Yeah. yeah, especially for the first couple of episodes. I think it's because there's so much world building that needs to be done, and mm. they try to achieve all of that in a very short period of time. Yeah, it's only when we actually get to the story itself yeah. that it seems to pick up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, yeah, the Watchmen uh, analogy is a lot. Uh, yeah, makes sense a lot, lah. A lot of sense. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I feel that. The Witcher did lack a bit of, like because we played the games, right? Yeah. There was also things that we noticed that were missing. Yeah. And like, hey, wait, why didn't they explain that? Like, the audience should know this. Yeah, and but how how would they know of you know about the history of the you know the witches and all that stuff mm. that weren't really fleshed out as well, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And we had the added uh, advantage, yeah. 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 yeah, of either reading the books or playing the games, Yeah. Mm. All right. Um, I I thought I I don't know Like you I, watch I, how long again? 40, 40 minutes of 40 the first minutes. episode. Um, and then I saw that each episode was one hour plus long. Yeah. I was like, really I, I can't I can't do this. This um, is gonna be painful. Yeah, I, I thought I don't know like, It's hard for me to judge. I've only seen forty mm. minutes of the first episode. I I thought the dialogue, as you mentioned, was quite awkward, very cringe, cringy mm. Um, I didn't felt drawn into the world because it felt very uh, caricature of every other fantasy world I've seen. Yes. Um, I think in terms of visuals and action, it does look very good. I have it to does. say that. Yeah. Um, the Witcher, like aspi- the sword play and all, is actually quite oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the Witcher kind of aspires to be this lofty, high fantasy kind of thing. Mm. Uh, but at about like the twenty minute mark, um, which was the first time you stopped, right? Yeah, I I kind of realized that I I I don't know whether you've ever seen the magicians, but once in a while, the magicians, the characters in magicians, who get transported into a fantasy world, mm. like Anania or a lot of the or Middle Earth or fantasy or whatever, all these and they'll spend like two or three episodes in a mini arc, just kind of making fun of all the tropes and the silly characters and the weird names, you know, and yeah. at the twenty minute mark, I realized that oh, this is the type of world that they would so make fun of, yep. and like there will be so much material to make fun of. Yeah. And that's when, like, I stopped. Like, I felt like a fantasy fanfic or video game cutscene, yeah. like written by this thirteen-year-old horny itch lord. It's like you know what this needs? It needs boobs and it needs blood and it needs violence. That's a story, guys. Um, <laughs> and and kind of like this this any human human or emo- on a human or emotional level, it felt very like thin. Like okay. I, I found it hard thin. to like like them because like, they were speaking so awkwardly. Okay, it's like a bit. It's. It's as bad as like a backstage like WWE promo that yeah. kind of thing. You know? It was a bit weird for me because I I, I really miss the U- Eastern European accents. Yeah, mm. there was no Eastern European really, accents. Yeah, right, right. Things a bit because it's kind of that that region lah. Yeah. I've also thought the language was quite anachronistic from <coughs> what I've seen. Like yeah. it it really feels like how like people in twenty nineteen would speak. Yes. If they were like in a Renaissance fair. Yes. Yeah, like they try, but they can't really like get yes. out. Like that's you know. one of the issues I felt also. Yeah, the speech structure is a bit yeah. weird. Yeah. Like Game of Thrones did a very good job of of uh, capturing like that medieval talk. 
Yeah, if, you know, with yep. some modern inflections, obviously, but yeah. well, but that gives you well the immersion. Of, yeah. yeah, yeah, that I felt that this didn't really have lah. Mm. Uh, it does get better as the episodes do uh, go on lah. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing like funny names and all that just gets worse. Course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I've, I've, I watch a lot of fantasy, so I know it will God get silly. Damn, there's some names with like seven syllables in it. Yeah, later on, like the episode, like wow, well, yeah. But then, no, I mean, it's a dragon's name, lah. So you know, dragons usually have that kind of stupid names. Uh-huh. Yeah, but yeah, so on and so forth, lah. But The Witcher, I'll give it like a six, six right. out of ten, lah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I still have seen like more than half of it. I think yeah. you can give a rating. Oh man, I mean, I think where I'm at right now is just a five. Mm. Okay, I mean, I I can't say lah. I yeah. I gave up on the show because yeah. I didn't like it. So, but I mean, I don't I don't feel like it's fair for me to give rating if I haven't <laughs> seen at least a good portion of the show. Okay, yeah. So yeah, um, let's move on to uh the long-awaited return hey. of Dan Harmon's uh, Rick and Morty. Um, the long wait is over, guys. Rick and Morty is mm-hmm. back, season four. Is and here. now we wait some more. <laughs> now we wait some more. God damn you, damn Harmon. Uh, but it's still the most insane, hilarious, and inventive show in this or any other universe. Yeah. Uh, um, within minutes, right, of the show returning, uh, like <laughs> th- th- this series blasts through enough sci-fi concepts, you know, like going from a galactic adventure uh-huh. to an alternate reality of fascist squids to a riff on Akira. That did happen. Uh, like all this is all within like the first ten minutes. You know? Yeah. And and that all these small concepts could fuel entire seasons of other less inventive shows. Yeah. But but you know even with those like time traveling multiversal space varying hijinks, Rick and Morty's greatest strength, kind of remains its refusal to rely on tropes or old tricks. You mm-hmm. know, it's always very subversive in its own joke telling, mm. uh, or what it's trying to say of of uh, things like heist movies or or sci- or sci fi tropes. You know, things like that. Like. it's it's all very very smart. You know, but also very funny. Yeah, you know, there, there is a there's an lol factor to Rick and Morty that <laughs> is. is present that. Not in that many comedies these days, yeah. you know, because yep. there are a lot of smart comedies that you kind of like. Oh, that's clever! Mm-hmm. But then I never really like you know, have a, have a barely like, laugh, you know, yeah, when yeah, I see yeah. like uh, a dragon orgy, for example. Yeah, it's like that, oh, then I really laugh so a lot, weird. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you guys think about the latest season of Rick and Morty? Oh, only five episodes we're reviewing yeah, yeah, so yeah. far. Yeah. Before the, the next half continues, right? Correct. Yeah. So, what do you guys think about the first five episodes? Honestly, yeah. God damn, return to form. Like uh, it's never quite lost. Yeah, it never lost. Yeah. The song. It's just the weight, you know, the yeah. two year hit. Yeah. Uh, so the return of Brick and Morty is very, very refreshing, lah. Yeah. Um, the weight was well worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that they could settle a lot of the stories during the two years. They can, uh, you know, most probably produce like half the episode they're going to produce. Because mm-hmm. they are, they are, seventy episodes. Seventy eight. Yep. 78 episodes you know mm. so yeah it'll be fun to see where this goes but the quality from this 5 was great la. fantastic uh, you had you had a great heist parody, parody. Yeah, you, had a, you, you had a time travel Terminator parody, Terminator parody. with uh, Snake Alien Society yeah. there's this 10 minute sequence of just hisses uh, which oh. I fucking love it was amazing and this is because of and you couldn't help but just be annoyed with Morty yeah. throughout this entire that episode I was like oh my god Morty this is all your fucking fault it's an entire episode about finding the perfect intergalactic toilet yeah. you know. oh, oh I love that that's actually my favourite episode from that was one of my favourite and, and also a bit of a teardown of Rick as a character yes Yeah. 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 by Fair. the end of the episode very very yeah, well yeah. done you know uh, my favourite was the, the dragon sex slut episode dragon oh, slut oh slut dragon <laughs> slut uh, episode I thought that the was Voltron, s- they had the Voltron so moment funny everything from like small I'm, I'm a huge future fan uh, so mm. like the the Molly Percocet uh, yeah, thing, Molly. so funny and it, it went so <laughs> 
all the way. You have, you have featured self-titled first LP. He yeah. signed it in Molly and Percocet. <laughs> and then they actually played the song. <laughs> I was like, going nuts It was so good. And like, I've never seen like Great Immorty. It has been a lot of things. Quite adult actually. But I've never seen it like that filthy. Yeah. You yeah. know, with uh, the old like dragon coming out of his uh, dildo the wand yeah. from his uh, cum cave. You know, oh, masturbation cave. Masturbation cave. Oh my god. From his cum cocoon. <laughs> It was so I I I laughed all the time lah, yeah. and and maybe it's because I'm a child lah, but like I found it super funny. La. Yeah, but it's not it's it's still so clever. Yeah, even yeah. though it was crude, right? Yeah, it was just it was the idea of dragon sluts are just amazing. Do, yeah, like doing uh this allegory for uh, empowering women and slut walk and all that, yeah, and yeah. and actually getting it right, unlike yeah. the kids in Big Mouth, you know. Yeah, but yeah. that one was done as a there's joke another, as well. There's la. another joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, but like. In, in a fantasy allegory like yeah, it's so weird it. and it's so good too yeah you know? it is because I saw like some people reacting to that it's like huh I see like maybe if you if sluts aren't so bad I guess <laughs> <laughs> maybe they should well, be allowed they should be allowed to masturbate and fuck mastodons or whatever lah. yeah that was that was weird though <laughs> <laughs> even the slut dragon that was like the line yeah yeah that that's just you <laughs> Uh, the, the finale with the Terminator parody I mean That was, was hilarious So good And then they call back to his own snake mm. Hey it's Slippy <laughs> <laughs> He can't get stopped He can't stop getting bitten by the snake Oh man <laughs> I'm like god damn Morty You're such a moron I would have been down for an entire episode On just the snake like society You know <laughs> Just know. like a bunch of hisses And you kind of get contextually What they're talking about yeah. like, What is this alien? Who is this? Exactly. Is this a Cylon? Is this a changeling? I don't know <laughs> <laughs> and the best was that the episode also had um what's his name, uh what's the father's name Je- uh, Jerry Jerry yeah right? uh, Jerry had his floating adventure yeah. yeah or his like adventure with the cat in Florida oh I love that, that <laughs> the talking cat yeah. talking Jerry's side adventures are actually really good yeah, yeah. Jerry with his stupid the shoes lah yeah. this is Rick's fault again <laughs> Rick I mean, was too sort, lazy sort of Rick like saved his life yeah and after gave him like shoes so that he would float. No, the shoes would, 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 would keep him down. Keep him down. He, yeah, so he, he was usually buoyant. Yeah. Buoyant, yeah. <laughs> he wanted to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> and the black people thought he was racist. Because he told those black people, let me show you my power. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch the shoe. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, concluding thoughts, like Ray Morty season uh, 4. Honestly, um, great job. Uh, I cannot wait for the other half. Yeah. To Justin Roiland, Dan Harmon, killer. Yeah, yeah. Killer. yeah. Uh, I need more. <laughs> yeah, we need more. I need more. Five episodes is so little. Yeah, I know. Two little episodes. I mean, from yeah. what I've seen, it's an eight out of ten. They yeah, yeah, kill eight, it. Eight out, yeah, easily eight out of ten. Eight yeah. out of ten across yeah. the board. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Uh, since uh, we are on animation, let's move into uh, ISIS anime corner oh yeah uh, but this month uh, we actually were planning to do it last month but I forgot my bad yeah. my bad I missed oh. it out on the rundown as I was in the middle of quick hits and yeah. then I like, kind of got lost uh, but we'll, we'll be bringing back anime corner but I saw we're not just be talking about the best anime from the past quarter but also the best animation from the past quarter oh yes yes uh, so there's a lot to talk about here there's like. a fair bit to talk about yeah uh, so um, what's up first okay let's talk about animation first let's get kind of get that out of the way uh, let's talk about Dr. Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham. Oh, yeah. Which I in- I enjoyed. Incredibly on Netflix, so. right? Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. Um, I think it's a fascinating look. I mean, I, I would assume that a great deal of us have grown up reading Dr. Seuss books. Mm. And to see that come to life uh, in kind of this long-form uh, medium is pretty fascinating. I have to say that the writing is very good and very in line with what you would expect from a Dr. Seuss kind of franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole uh, following... <laughs> Of uh, Sam I Am and Guy 
Oh no, what's his name? Guy, yeah. he is Guy. I have uh, no idea what you're talking yeah. about. So we basically follow Guy and Sam from the actual books like Green Eggs and Ham, but mm. this time around it's much more fleshed out. Uh, there's a lot of like interpersonal drama. There's a lot of like just like uh, Sam's uh, eventual like he's looking for his mother. You kind of ex- it kind of explains like why he's so fascinated with Green Eggs and Ham. Uh, and all in all, like it's a great kind of like buddy comedy. Um, with a lot of twists and turns that uh, we don't actually see in the books itself, right? That plays out as thoroughly enjoyable. And I would like to see more kind of like Dr. Seuss stuff as a series instead of just as the movies that we've gotten so far. Okay. This was but, a miniseries or a movie? No, this was a series. A series, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a full-on series. I think it's like 12 episodes in 12 total. Episodes, okay. uh, and it's about 20 minutes each. Okay. And it was really, really fun. Uh, <coughs> I would highly recommend it to anyone who enjoys Dr. Seuss as a kid or wants to kind of revisit that kind of nostalgia mm-hmm. or even anyone who has kids who like that kind of content. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's really smart and I think there's a lot of like inside kind of like wink wink nudge nudge adult like jokes that are there that, you know, that are unnice, right? Considering that um, if you're watching your parents or whatever. Yeah, we were watching your parents and all that. It was yeah. really good. Uh, next up, let's talk about... She ran the Princesses of Power season four. Season four, yeah. It um, ended last month, right? Yeah, it ended yeah. last month. Uh, so finale? No. No, no, um, the season four the ended season last month. The season four oh, ended last okay, month. Okay. Uh, I don't think they're going to be done anytime soon. Okay. I really, yeah. really don't think so. Very long up. So, um, at the end of season three, um, uh, <coughs> there's a huge, like, kind of time gap as we go forward. And we are we are going to, like, the tween kind of teens where all the princesses mm. are now kind of growing up. Yeah. Right? Um... um Princess Huckle has in, uh, inherited her mother's mantle, so she's now queen. Yes. Right? And Shira is continually kind of like, um, uh, she's, she continues to grapple with her own identity mm. now that you are no longer kind of bound to this world. Right? Like, it's gone intergalactic, right? Uh, all in all, which some people have been saying might link up with like a He-Man thing in the future. If but they want to, they could. If they want to, they could, yeah. There are two He-Man series currently in production. One live action, one animation. Yeah, but are so, they linked? I don't think so, right? Uh, the animation won't be linked. Yeah. Uh, but if they wanted to, they could do a third one, which might be overkill. So I think yeah, they won't. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of like the same adventures, but with a lot more teen drama, which I drama, find yeah. pretty fascinating. Yeah. Uh, but Shira continues to be great just because I think there is a lot of character development. Like, the character arcs are fully fleshed out for something that um, I, I guess most people will consider to be a, a children's animation. Children's animation, yeah, right? Um, there's a lot of great stuff going on in the in the villain's camp, villains right? Camp. Um, they're constantly getting moments where they get humanized, as strange as that is for, for aliens, mm-hmm. um, that really fleshes out the kind of the conflict that's going on, both on the battlefield and just like in their private spheres of... Uh, kind of understanding themselves as they grow older and uh, take on more responsibility. Yeah. Uh, all in all, I really liked what um, Season 4 has done. I'm really interested to see how they kind of bridge this gap from where they are now to um, maybe even all the way till they are grown up into adult stage, which would then bring them into like um, the Shira that we used to know as yeah. 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 Right? Um, yeah, all in all, I'll, I'll give it like a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah. Uh, very, very enjoyable. Very <coughs> different from the first three seasons I, I think that we've seen. Um, there's a lot to kind of like cover within that, but I'll, I'm just going to give it a 6.5 and say that I do recommend it. Okay. Uh, it's, it's quite good. I mean, not Steven Universe level good, I but mean, it's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's kind of it for um, the two animations that we're doing we're going to anime now now we're going to go into anime right so I've broken this up into kind of two um, 
<clears throat> two separate things. Uh, I'm going to talk about like returning titles that if you guys have dropped off, uh, which I assume some people have, you really need to get back into just because of how good it is. Uh, and then, of course, a couple of new titles that I'm really into. Uh, the season is ending, all right? And we'll be having a new season in January as well. Mm. So, I mean, the bulk of uh, the... Uh, episodes will be up already so if you are the type that binges it's a great time to kind of catch up with all of that so as far as returning titles go My Hero Academia that this goes without introduction I think this might be my favourite arc so far Overhaul? Yeah Overhaul is such a good arc It's such a great arc right? Uh, And for those of you who read the manga I think you'll be more than familiar with that but to be able to see it uh, in animation is really really some great action pieces here mm. some sounds great... like um, the exploration Red Riot is, uh, yes. I haven't quite seen before it was very well it's done it's very very well done um, yeah. his fights and his kind of character arc over this has been pretty fascinating I didn't yeah. expect that yeah. uh, I mean in the all. manga this is actually the most popular arc right? it is the most popular yeah. arc yes Parody. by far um, but yeah it's so good I, I, I love the fact that we are starting to see a lot more heroes mm. and we're not just seeing them like as kind of like side characters but we are diving a bit deeper Especially characters like Fat Gum, which are really like kind of fascinating backstories uh, yeah. about their power Lemillion? and all of that. Lemillion. Lemillion. One of the big four. Yeah. Yeah. The big, oh, big three, I'm sorry. The big three, yeah. yeah. And all of that is, is, is really good. And I think like my hero has never kind of lost that kind of uh, um, momentum or consistency mm. over the series. And it continues to be one of the best animes uh, of the decade. It yeah. is. Right? Yeah. And uh, we will continue. I'm really, um, really hoping if you guys have not. Uh, jumped on the new season yet please go ahead and do so I did feel like the last season was a bit of a filler with like the training mm. camp and all of that it was oddly structured it was it yeah, was oddly structured, structured because like the climax the last 5-6 episodes offered no climax it almost yeah. felt like a setup for the next season yeah it was it was kind of exactly that yeah. uh, I mean uh, uh, people who are really into the manga tell me that essentially that uh, that whole portion had to be gotten out of the way just to set up this right. uh, where we yeah, are yeah, right yeah. now with overhaul Right. Um. So yeah, like a fascinating big bad, um, with a a villain group that um, quite I'm quite sympathetic to, quite honestly. Like Yakuza guys. Yeah, the Yakuza guys. Like Hezekai has been like a pretty interesting look into that whole idea of like loyalty in the criminal underworld and all of that. And And I like how the Americans came up with the the. The power enhancing drugs. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Naturally, yeah. It's like right? bloody Americans. Yeah. It's like them or Russia. Like. Yeah, yeah. It, it was bound to be one or the other. Yeah, yeah so that's been great. Um, please, uh, I mean, it continues to be one of the best things that uh, anime has to offer at nice. the moment. Uh, please catch up with that. Next up, let's talk about uh, Food Wars, the fourth Food plate. Wars, yeah. mm. So they are currently in the uh, tournament arc uh, or the, um, the group Shokugeki arc, right? And that's just kind of wrapped up recently. Uh, it still continues to be good still offering like all of the fan service that you want and all of the food porn that you could possibly imagine in animated form mm. uh, it does bring about a fair bit of drama this time round given that uh, this is do or die basically right so mm-hmm. if they don't win this uh, basically the story ends so we kind of all know how this is gonna go yeah. but the steps that they take to reach that point have been highly entertaining mm-hmm. um, so Food Wars 4th Plate uh, which is basically season 4 is also one of the returning titles that I really think you should check out. All right. Um, then the Psychopath Tree, if you guys are familiar, right? So Psychopaths, um, basically, it's a dystopian society. Well, dystopian slash utopian society, whereby uh, uh, you, your criminality be uh, can be read, right? So basically, it's um, 
What's the Tom Cruise movie? Minority Report. It's basically Minority Report, but in Japan. Uh, yeah. But this time around, you don't use Sears. You basically use technology to kind of read people's criminal element. Yeah. The first two seasons... But it's not about there's a specific crime about to be happening, right? It's no. about a person's criminality. Yes, your so criminal... El- the criminal element with you has a score. Ah, so it's, right? uh, it's a bit different from Minority yeah, Report. It, yeah, um, and like the higher your element, they'll just lock you up. Okay. Basically, or they'll monitor you. Anything, yeah. Yeah, 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 they'll yeah. just monitor you. Uh, so it's been like that. Um, season one and two kind of broke open into this crazy kind of conspiracy with a lot of uh, you know, political uh, intrigue um, going on, and it's a vastly popular anime. Uh, mm. back when it was released, Psychopaths Three is interesting that is we don't follow uh the main characters anymore. Uh, we fought, it's kind of a, like an offshoot, uh, um, where we have again another rookie duo who are situated within the same world, and uh, um. They bring a kind of fresh look to the whole situation because mm. they've never encountered that they're fresh out of the academy and they need to kind of like grapple with the moral questions that we've seen the heroes done before in season one and two, mm-hmm. but in a uh, with fresh eyes and a, like a totally different disposition. They're very different characters from the heroes that we got before, mm-hmm. um, and it's uh, it's been pretty good. Like if you enjoyed season one and two, uh, I do think that Psychopaths uh, season three is worth catching. Um, just because it offers a, va- a wildly, actually, different view on the kind of morality of the system itself, okay. right? Uh, and it does fill in a lot of the gaps that we had between um, season two and the movie that eventually came out uh, in terms of like what has happened since the discovery of the system and all of that. So uh, if you're a big fan of the original two seasons, please go check that out as well. Right. Now, last but not least for returning titles, I would like to talk about Sword Art Online 3 Season one and season two. Well, wow. we're currently in season two. Um, Wait, one more time. Sword Art Online. Uh huh. Three. Uh huh. Is split into season one and season two. Okay. Because it's a really really long arc, right? And I I think I spoke about it briefly when season one ended earlier in the year in like March uh, for one of the anime corners. Uh, but right now it's kind of like the heat of thing. Like anyone who has watched Sword Art Online and were taken by the first season itself yes. uh, and realised how season 2 was basically a bunch of filler the one when uh, they became fairies e- uh, well that was the end of season 1 but oh, then no. they continued to season 2 which was the gun one. Oh, gun gill oh. gun gill online oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, Sinon yeah, yeah, is a yeah, yeah. fascinating character yeah, but yeah, yeah. it was just it was just Kirito like just slashing stuff right like yeah, all yeah. the time he decided to go melee yeah, yeah exactly yeah. in a gun game uh, in a gun game <laughs> um, so Basically, uh, like I mentioned before earlier in the anime corner in March, right? Uh, we have Kirito, who is critically injured, right? Uh, because one of the guys from uh, the murder gangs tries to kill him, injects him with uh, something that damages his brain, and he's been implanted into a world made up entirely of AIs that copy your soul. There are copies of souls. So, like the the technology has reached a point okay. where they can copy souls into yes you talked about this last yeah, time I yeah I talked about it last yeah, time yeah, right yeah, yeah. so the amazing thing right now is that Kirito and this is not really a kind of spoiler because like at the end of last Just season this happened um, Kirito's out of action and he is stuck in this AI world mm-hmm. where the AIs are getting smarter mm-hmm. right and now you have uh, these other players on the evil side of things. Mm who are coming down and trying to um, take the AI out of the system so they can use it for their own means. Mm. And they happen to be US <laughs> military. Yeah, I tell you, it's always America. Well. Yeah, so like, it's a lot of drama and the fact that you take out your kind of titular character from that uh, has been uh, a joy. 
I have to say, like the fact that you don't have this don't incredibly have this overpowered, uh, right? Incredibly like. lucky Kirito who is there all the time. Kirito is such a Mary Sue. Uh. Yeah. Oh yes, absolutely. Right. Uh, has made it um a, a lot more enjoyable in this particular season. I do feel in a couple more episodes because it's still ongoing. Uh, they will probably rectify that. Uh, his friends are coming into the game to save them, as well as like thirty thousand American MMORPG players have been invited on the other side. So it's becoming like it's huge brawl in this. A very gritty, very grotesque fantasy world. I guess we would have to join the Japanese, right? I guess so, because like server times yeah. and all of that. They actually do address that in one of the episodes. Okay. Yeah, that's quite I funny. Um, but essentially, they're asking a lot of very, very deep questions, especially about the singularity, about um, artificial intelligence, about the nature of souls and whether or not that can be digitized, whether or not an AI can have a soul. <sighs> they do address all of these things in the quiet moments of the anime, which I think are brilliant, right? Because uh, that's a lot of what they tried to do in season one of, of, of uh, SAO. Mm. Uh, so please, uh, highly recommend it um, for season three, um, uh, season three part one and part two. Uh, I think that as far as all the sci-fi anime going on right now, I mean, sci-fi fantasy, you can see it a couple of ways. Uh Sword Art Online is asking important questions and I think like it's worth watching just because of that. I mean, the production value continues to be amazing uh, and it's still enjoyable and it's incredibly fun. Okay. Uh, so, yes. For returning titles, that's about it. I'm going to boil down my recommendations for new titles basically to one. Uh, well, one series and then one OVA and one movie. Okay. Right? So, uh, I'm really, really into this a series that started this season called No Gun Life. No Gun Life. No that Gun Life. Familiar. Right? So, I, was, I wasn't I was sure about this anime at first because um, in the promotional material, uh, you see the protagonist and he has a gun for a hit. For a hit? Yes. His whole head is a gun. Okay. Right? Uh, he's basically a walking gun. Okay. Right? So, it's a, um, you know, a far future kind of dystopia where you have these... Uh, body like heavy body modifications uh, that make people into extendeds, oh. and this particular character uh, that we follow, Inoue Juzo, is a uh, overextended who was created during the war. Um, so you 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 kind of like learn more about the war later on and all of that. Uh, and he's basically a fixer, or in 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 the context of the anime, he's a resolver okay. who like helps to solve problems. For other extendeds who are living there, like ex- ex- extension mods are a huge thing that you kind of see kind of everywhere, okay. right? Uh, and it's very very commonplace. So it starts off as a procedural until uh, you meet some of the other side characters to come along, and then it starts to change into a more like uh, overarching thing. Um, very interesting world building, very well fleshed out characters. The artwork is gorgeous, and the music is dope. And I, I don't think I need to kind of like... If you're into um, kind of like Blade Runner-esque ah. things, uh, this is will be right up your alley. If you're into kind of like procedurals as well, this will be right up your alley because he's kind of like private eye slash fixer slash all of these things. There's a lot of like CD underworld things going on, a lot of deals being made, uh, and a lot of like bigger political intrigue kind of floating on top of that. Uh, it's good stuff. Good nice. stuff. No gun life. No yep. gun life. No gun life. Yeah. Uh, well, where does the ti- where does the title come from? Because you know, the guy is a literal gun. Yeah. 
pretty much. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how it actually ties up. We haven't reached a point where they address that. Oh, you don't know that. yet, la. Okay. Yeah, but like his 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 head is a gun, yeah. and I thought you know just like what what in the world like yeah, is this some kind of gimmicky shit? I've seen I've seen weirder things. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. like that was really good. Um, I've seen a guy like his body is full of cameras on my hero academy. I mean, I'm like I can buy yeah, I can we, buy yeah, this. Yeah, you can totally look into that. So yeah. um, yeah, I really really like it. I think like it's one of the best things that are out right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of series, uh, the rest of the series that I kind of want to recommend last month have kind of dropped off for me oh. like, as I've continued them so okay. I'm leaving them out uh, I want to talk about Blade of the Immortal mm. uh, Blade of the Immortal which is also Amazon actually ah. uh, Amazon's doing Blade mm. of the Immortal uh, and I think it's like one episode every month uh, oh. over the last couple of months so I've been keeping up with that more or less uh, wow it's really good um, the animation is pretty mind blowing uh, although the huge gap between all of that um, does take away from the from the enjoyment of it mm. just because like, I can't really remember what happened last um, the last episode like comics though. yeah like comics exactly mm. um, very very heavily um, inspired by Kurosawa and like um, there's a lot of like kind of flashbacks a lot of flash forwards and all of that but overall just the vibe and feel and the uh, the the grittiness of it is very very gorgeous very beautiful and very enjoyable uh, for people who don't mind a bit of like Japanese art house art house okay yeah. uh, and the last one that I kind of really enjoyed is this short uh, this short film called Black Fox Black Fox yeah it's basically about a girl whose uh, grandfather is a ninja and her father is a scientist uh, and basically they get killed and she becomes a ninja with like lots of cool tech ah yeah and like that's basically it like the the animation is cute um the action sequences are really good uh the cg is really good as well um but it's just like a kind of fun little story about a girl that's trying to reconcile like kind of overall values from the legacy of her family as well as like her father's uh, desire for her to be someone who is you know of the modern world Mm, right scientist uh, yeah scientist yeah mm. so like she has to kind of like grapple with all those like uh issues of identity while trying to seek uh, revenge slash investigate who are responsible for her father and grandfather's death mm-hmm. uh, and yeah it just plays out as a kind of like really cute uh, if somewhat serious um, uh, investigation uh, slash revenge flick okay yeah so she's got like machine dog and machine bird and they kind of help her out with this whole thing uh, I was quite taken by the art style and uh, the action sequences are really really good well, so uh, where can you find this? Black Fox is is it a Netflix thing? no it's not a Netflix thing uh, I think it's on you can find it on Funimation oh okay yeah or Crunchyroll okay. I believe those two those two platforms have it yep. sweet so uh, that's basically it for me from um, Anime Corner. I think like since this is going to be uh, the first of the decade, yeah. uh, I'm just going to quickly say that uh, My Hero Academia, um, Demon Slayer, and Fire Force might be some of the best anime that have come out this decade. God damn, Fire yeah. Force is good. Yeah. Right? All three like, kind of debuted. Well, not, not My uh, Hero, like, but the other yeah, two but, kind of debuted. Uh, this year. Yeah, they were this yeah. year. Yeah. Right? So again, like another one where like last minute, kind of that. Like mm. Demon Slayer cannot be more highly recommended and Fire Force uh, is still ongoing, but so mm. far it's been a while, right? And I really, really like it. Nice. Yeah. Um, since we are moving on from anime uh, or animation corner this yeah. month, like uh, I'm going to switch uh, a bit of my quick hits and I'm going to talk about I Lost My Body First, oh, considering yes. it's a French animation. Yeah. Uh, it's an independent movie and it concerns... Uh, well, 
it's set in a it opens in a Parisian laboratory. <laughs> um, a a a savet, a savet hand escapes its unhappy fate and sets out to reconnect with its body. Um, hence the title I lost my body uh, And during a tense And thrilling escapade ar- Across the city The lost limb Fends off pigeons And rats And trains And cars To reunite with its owner um, A pizza boy Named Norfell mm. uh, Its memories Of Norfell And his love For a librarian Named Gabriel Provides him answers About what might have caused the hand separation and clues about where to find him. Yep. And kind of, uh, it is, is this poetic backdrop for a possible reunion between the hand, the boy, and the girl. Um, this was a very deeply affecting and, and moving tale and one of the most creatively animated features I've seen this year. Yep. Uh, it, I, I'm almost convinced that it's probably going to be the big Disney stuff for best animated feature at the Oscars this year. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, and it's, it's a surreal journey that follows kind of a dream logic. Um, and its tone is very gentle and melancholic. Um, essentially, this French animation is this um, <laughs> quite existential journey um, about the struggle to find beauty in a world that forces us to leave parts of ourselves behind. Uh, that's mm. the kind of the metaphor. Yeah. Um, and um, about this stirring evocation of uh, a longing that we all have to, mm-hmm. be, to be made whole. We don't know what's missing in us, but we want to be made whole. Yeah. And I think it, uh, it uh, elicits that very well. Yeah. Um, I, I think I saw watch this as well. Yes, I did. I did. I mean, like exactly what you've said. One of the saddest things I've seen. Yeah, yeah. In, uh, recently, uh, as far as like, kind of animation goes, um, yeah, I don't think there's anything more to add to that. Like, I really enjoyed it, and I do think it's gonna do very well mm. uh, once the award season comes in. Yeah. Um, it's an eight out of ten for me. Yeah, 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 it's really really good. It's a it's an eight point five for me like. and, and considering like its biggest challenges are like Toy Story four, which is good. Yeah. But I mean, you kind of seen Toy Story already yeah. and yeah. stuff like that. Exactly. So I think this might actually have a really good shot for being the best animated feature at mm. the Oscars this mm. year. Uh, then you can find it on Netflix. Yes, you can. Uh, next up, another thing that you can find on Netflix. Mm. Um, it is a Senegalese ghost love story. Uh, set again the set against the backdrop of the African migrant crisis. Mm. Um, it is a very sensual, aching, and unpredictable film. Uh, and it's a cinema at its most stunning and moving. It, it it's set in Dakar. Uh, and Atlantic follows doom lovers Suleiman and Ada. Mm. Um, Suleiman is an exploited construction worker who decides to leave for the ocean, uh, on a boat in the ocean to search for a better future. Uh, meanwhile, Ada is a woman betrothed to a man she doesn't love, but she's in love with Suleiman. Mm-hmm. The couple is kind of besieged on two oppressive fronts, uh, modern capitalism on his part and archa- archaic patriarchal tradition on, on her part. Uh, when the news that Suleiman's boat had been hit by a massive storm, he's presumed dead. Uh, but his specter sort of, or spirit, or, or whatever it is you want to call it, sort of lurks, eager to reconnect with Ada. Mm. It's a very hazy, seductive, and, and magic realist mood piece. Um, it's very atmospheric and oblique. It's like a mystical dreamscape of a haunted romance grounded by good political dimensions and mm. internal anguish by, by the actors. It's beautiful and tragic, and uh, Atlantic is such an engrossing hypnotic dream. I mm. really, really loved it. Uh, it's 9 out of 10. Wow. Uh, yeah, you should... Uh, it's actually in... Well, I guess the article will be out by now. Uh, it's actually like in my top ten for the best uh, films of twenty nineteen. In uh, you can read it on Potwire actually. Mm. Uh, then now I'm gonna go on to stuff like I don't didn't enjoy so much. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, the third and final season of Runaways, like its previous seasons, has uh, tons of interesting elements, but it never quite coheres into a satisfying whole. It's well, cancelled ca- now. Yeah, it was cancelled before the season yeah. came out. You know, um, uh, Marvel TV is dead. You yeah, know? it's been incorporated into I- MCU. Into, into Marvel Studios. Mm. Uh, but you know, like 
I, Runaways always had so much promise for me. It did. And it always had like parts of it that I loved. It did. But it just never quite cohered. Like, oh, okay. Uh, it's a shame, you know. I, I like so many individual parts of the show. It's just it's just like poor cooking with solid ingredients. It's, it's kind of this analogy I keep going back yeah. to. Yeah. Um, I boiled it too long. Something like that, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, on, on, on the plus side, the season is m- far more action-packed than previous seasons. Mm. The teens are battling against the magistrate, you know, the evil aliens from space. Uh, and the evil uh, body snatch- the, the body-snatching alien family like, that was introduced in season two. Mm. It also introduces a new big bad in the form of uh, Sorceress Morgana, uh, played by Elizabeth Hurley. Mm. Uh, delicious performance, really like it. Um, but for a show that was so... Afraid to embrace Its superhero aspects In season 1 I'm glad it's come to the point Where these kids Can use their power To fight Like wizards And, and monsters mm. And aliens You know It's like it's a, it's a full superhero show now Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, With the show's impending end There also comes A greater sense of stakes Because More than a few people Die this season Of Runaways uh, mm. In a manner that suggests That they aren't coming back uh, Also the long awaited Crossover with Cloak and Dagger was, yeah. pre- was pretty cool Seeing them team up It's a bit sad Because both of these shows Are cancelled now Yeah. And given their potential I would like to see more More from Cloak and Dagger And less from Runaways <laughs> uh, On the downside One of the most frustrating Aspects of the season Is how It is less character driven Than season 1 And 2 uh, It felt like There was so much Of a focus on plot and, and what they wanted to get And where they wanted to go to There wasn't enough time For the mm. team To interact in unique ways uh, A fun but uneven end To a series That never quite Lived up to its early promise mm. It's a 5.5 out of 10 5.5? Yeah Damn uh, Next up I'm going to be talking about uh, For All Mankind It's uh, actually For All Mankind and C and, okay. It's a uh, two new genre series From a brand new st- streaming service Called Apple TV uh, first up, you know, it's an alternate history called For All Mankind from Battlestar Galactica creator Ronald D. Moore. Yeah. Uh, it imagines an alternate history where Russia beat America to the moon in the space race. Um, in Moore's vision, the defeat spurs American history down a new path, causing the Nixon administration to double down on our journey to the stars. When Russia adds insult to injury by launching the first woman to the moon too, just a few short months after their cosmonaut touches down, For All Mankind follows what might have been if America had invested as much into the continued space, space exploration and growth okay. of the problems that uh, we did in getting there in the first place. You know? yeah. So instead of just like investing in that first moon landing, you know, mm. what if they actually continued to progress the space program to the point where it's very developed? You know? at, at that point, it just felt like we want to get to a man on, a man on the moon and we're done. Yeah, I mean, it was the whole Star Wars, uh, what they called uh, Star Wars politics. Uh. Yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and following that big what if of an inciting incident for all mankind explores how it would affect the American experience from the perspective of NASA's astronauts, engineers, their families, and, and the politicians making policy around these new scientific advances. Um, it's a very loving and optimistic look about what might have ha- happened had we been compelled to double down on space exploration. Um, and the series regularly jumps months and occasionally years in pursuit of exploring how that change in focus and funding could have altered our course in history. And for better or for worse, for all mankind is kind of determined play it straight almost too straight in fact it might be the show's biggest disadvantage for all mankind takes itself very seriously and moves very slowly uh, despite the time jumps uh, it's methodical pacing um, you know showing the cultural shifts down to the minute detail uh, and the thing is right it's mm. really surprising the results especially in the first half of the first season um there are stand-up moments and fantastic performances and, and there's no getting around the fact that For All Mankind is essentially madmen in NASA uh, charting the rise of these mostly unwelcome women into the workplace. Um, 
As far as workplace dramas goes, the series has its moments of sharp, incisive character drama carried by a generally excellent cast, but despite the old history, we've kind of seen all of this done before. Mm. It isn't really fascinating extrapolation in the way that Watchmen did. It's all very slow, it's all very derivative, and while the series' initial struggles with some exposition and explanation and subplots uh, drags it down a bit, it does pick up a bit of steam once it finds its focus, especially in the back half of the season. Where the characters and the overlapping arcs start to uh, come to life, um, but it is a bit too slow, a bit too understated, a bit too derivative uh, for me to fully recommend. Uh, so that's why I'm giving it uh, five out of ten. Okay. Yeah. Uh, finally, I'm gonna. <laughs> do you really want to do this? Let's not. Yeah. Fuck it. Like, we're at the end, right? Yeah. Uh, let's talk about C. It's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi show created by Eastern Promises screenwriter and Peaky Blinders showrunner uh, Stephen Knight. Stephen Knight also recently did another movie that I reviewed this uh, year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the uh, Serenity. I'm not talking about uh, nah, Joss Whedon's Serenity. You're talking, talking about, about the boat, the Ma- fishing, Matthew McConaughey. The game. Matthew McConaughey. Oh, spoiler alert for the end. Fuck it. Yeah, it's it, a stupid it, movie. It, turn, it turns out that they were in a game, a fishing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, he's he's come back for a show that stars Jason Momoa mm-hmm. as a character called Baba Voss. Who's blind. The, the warrior leader <laughs> of the Alkani village uh, is set generations after humanity lost the sense of sight, as Sadi mentioned, mm-hmm. through a near extinction level outbreak. The series drops us in the midst of another historical change for the human race when Baba Voss's adoptive twins are born with sight mm. and thus the potential to upend society's entire belief structure. Yep. What would human society be like without sight is an interesting premise, as is the idea that people with vision are essentially superpowered in a world of blindness. Yeah. Uh, ironically, the show is also visually spectacular. Mm. Uh, it is filled with impressive battle sequences and a dystopian future world that's rendered with breathtaking cinematic production value. It's, it looks more gorgeous than The Witcher. Mm. I do, ha- I mm. do have to say okay, that. Okay. It's also downright weird and goofy. Weirdly, like it's kind of this weird contrast between this very high-end production Game of thrones as visuals with like Xena and Hercules like storytelling from the 90s. Oh, no. You know? Uh, it's it's a high concept drama with a tonal imbalance, you know. In in to- in just that tone, la, It's like huh. is this Zena or is this Game of Thrones? I don't know. It's both. Um, other than the aesthetics and the tone, there is a near total lack of character development. Like nothing. Okay. There's no character development. Uh, the only development is like, oh, this guy can see. Wow. Um, the baby, right? The baby, yeah. yeah. So you can't really invest emotionally in any of the characters. It's so it's like children of men, but. Blindness With Blindness, yeah <laughs> um, It's also It's not only hard To invest emotionally It's hard to invest Intellectually Because despite The potential of its premise The show has no idea What to say Like it's Politically or socially uh, it, just, it just has I don't know What themes I don't know What social uh, uh, Issues I want to tackle I, So let's just like You know Have blind people Fight blind people Yeah you know The blindness Is not just literal It's also metaphorical I know Yeah uh. yeah. It's like uh, <laughs> Yeah Yeah Okay cool uh, it, It's also very tropey It plays with dystopian cliches Which is kind of seen A million times yeah, before yeah, yeah. Um, so, Done better So Don't I won't recommend this okay. It's a 4.5 out of 10 That's not too bad still so yeah, but I mean, considering yeah. like uh, Runaways was like five point five, yeah. for all mankind was five, and this is four point five. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, these are all like okay shows. Yeah, but you're not gonna miss anything not watching it, lah. In in a in a, I recently plugging my pop articles. Uh, I also <laughs> recently did like uh the fifty best shows mm. of of twenty nineteen, mm. and 
the fact that if you looked at my honorable mentions, which is made up of twenty eight shows, mm-hmm. like narrowing, if you think you have fifty, sp- I thought like you know top fifty of the year would be so easy to do, so many spaces. Yeah, the fact that I had to leave out twenty eight shows that I dearly loved, you know, mm-hmm. uh, shows that there's so much quality out there. Also, so much has a lot of things to watch, lah. Sure, yeah, but there's so many things that are eight out of ten or above. You know, mm. That like why waste time on six out of ten or five out of ten or four out of ten? So, yeah, I mean the. Think of it like he, I I talk so glowingly about Men Lauren. Yeah, it didn't make my top fifty of the year. Yeah, I love the Brook. I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. It didn't make. It didn't make 50. my top fifty of the year. Mm-hmm. It's so crazy that all these great shows cannot make a top fifty. Yeah, that's how. That's what peak TV is now. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, you have you fucking YouTube has streaming, fucking Facebook has streaming. That's true. It's Netflix and Amazon and Apple and Disney Plus and DC Universe. That's true. Etc. Etc. Fucking like uh, DBS Sparks <laughs> streaming. <laughs> <laughs> If they went to the sci-fi route, we would definitely review it. We would have to, right? Yeah, we have Just to. Just out of sheer fascination. DBS Sparks. DBS Sparks, guys. It really it has a sci-fi name, Sparks. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Sure. Uh, there, there is that one show that we keep uh seeing in um trailers in cinemas, yeah, right? Yeah, I don't yeah. even know what it's called. Which one? The the DBS Park show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. Like. It's called DBS Parks. That's the title. The of title show? is Sparks. Oh. Yeah, it's DBS dot com slash Sparks. I thought Sparks is the name of the streaming service. No, no, Sparks is a show. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll come back next month to talk about more DBS Parks. <laughs> <laughs> no lah. Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay we'll, tuned. Next month is actually quite big. Also, we have it very is. very small number of titles. Yeah. But they're all me big titles. Mm. Um, I think we're all going to be talking about all five parts of Crisis on Infinite Earth. We are. Yes. Uh, which kind of combines every DC TV and movie. Property it has been amazing so far. Uh, it's. I wouldn't say it's amazing, but it's fun in the way that the CW shows have always yeah, been yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. Like they know what they are. They yeah, don't, they and don't they pre- just lean in. They don't pretend to be anything loftier. Yeah. And they just like this is fun. This is a yeah. cartoon. Let's let's just, just let's go, go watch, with it. Let's just go yeah. watch Kevin Conroy fight like Tom Welling or whatever. Exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think me and Hardy will be covering the first season of Harley Quinn. Yeah, uh, has been a really good show. I, it uh, Harley Quinn ended up in my like top twenty of best shows of twenty uh, nineteen because so of the craziness and like the humor is yeah. LOL funny like it's LOL this. funny. Yeah. So uh, you already kind of know how rated. Uh, me and Isa will be talking about the Steven Universe future. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. the first and probably last season of Steven Universe mm-hmm. because as far as we know, Rebecca Sugar yeah. keeps calling this show as the epilogue. Yeah. But I don't know how many seasons the epilogue will be. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and then in Quick Hits, I'll be talking about Dracula. Uh, the new Dracula show from uh, the creators of Sherlock. Uh, I'll be talking about the new Grudge movie that's coming out that is getting surprisingly good reviews. Really, weirdly Co- enough, yeah. Korean? No, no, America. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'll be talking about the new Shaun the Sheep movie. I wanted to talk about it this month, but I'm gonna push it. Uh, <laughs> Shaun the Sheep from Mageddon is a you know Wallace and Gromit spinoff. If you've ever seen Shaun the Sheep, that should be good. It's a new anime called Right Your Wave, which has been out for a couple of months. Mm. I recently just watched it, but I'm gonna push my review. Um, I'm gonna be talking about the new season to Infinity Train, uh, mm. a new comic by N.K. Jemisin, mm. uh, who wrote the Broken Earth trilogy. You know the one that I really loved uh, mm. so much. Uh, and she's writing a new Green Lantern. Not Wandering Earth, huh? Not Wandering Earth, the Broken <laughs> Earth. Uh, she's writing a new Green Lantern book called Far Sector. Okay. Uh, yeah, and and I'm sure there will be more stuff that pops up. Lah. But until uh, right. then, um, Happy New Year, guys. Yeah. Happy New Year. Uh, this has been uh, Hitzer. I'm Hardy. I'm Isa. Uh, goodbye. Bye bye.